Your level of sarcasm is disturbing. Hello and welcome to episode number 68 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the looting and riots are done. But, you know, there's still a little bit of crime here and there. And from just outside the Snowflake Autonomous Zone, formerly known as America's Left Coast, I'm Ryan Bemrose. And because we needed somebody that was more on the East Coast, we asked a very special guest to come along. You know him from Who Are These Podcasts, another show called The Creep Off. I think you're a lot like me, Carl. You have like 14 podcasts going at any given time. You may yeah, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> the, the, if the No Agenda crowd will know you as Sir Carl with a K from Rochester, the short night name. That's right. How you Thanks doing? Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be on the show. Hey, Sir Bembro said we had to have you on. I was suggesting that we get grumpy old Ben's on to who are these podcasts first. Cause I really wanted to hear you rip into Ryan, but you know, we didn't get that yet. I mean, I have to rip into him every podcast. I just thought it would be nice if somebody else were to do it. Well, I was actually just going to rip on you ripping on Ryan. Well, so you work. might not get what you were hoping for. <laughs> it would be some good meta going on. Yeah. Hey, if it's good content, I'm all for it. I will tell you, uh, you know, I've, we we're what a year uh, 14 months into grumpy old Benz now and uh i was a WATP listener at the very beginning and when we first started uh darren was he was like uh you you really need to you know we can get a lot of press if you can just submit our show to to who are these podcasts i'm like no i my fragile <laughs> ego cannot handle that <laughs> well for a really long time i never told anybody over on the the discord community over there that even who I was or that I had a podcast or anything. Well, it's even more than that, because when I was trying to get Ryan, believe it or not, he didn't want to do podcasts. He was kind of against it. He said his voice was too high pitched, which I don't really understand that as being a reason. Everybody's got a different voice, but to bring him into the podcasting fold and then talk about, okay, well, what kind of a show would you like to do? He kind of suggested one of the first things was doing a who are these podcast ripoff. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, that's that's how much of a fan he is. He likes the format. Yes. Awesome. And I mean, he can try to be mean, but it doesn't always land. So I don't know. It's uh, it's it's an interesting there. Well, there's so many different shows out there doing so many different things. And as you know, Carl, comedy is a very subjective thing, which sure. You know, when this is this was the best letter email I've ever seen of inviting somebody onto a show because Ryan sends you an email with, you know, I really love your show. I've been a fan from way back. And the guy I do the podcast with, well, he hates you, which <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. well, that's not true. But I, you know, I picked out immediately subconsciously, I'm sure that you were a big Howard Stern fan. You can tell it's that kind of comedy. And it was never my bit. I was more Jonathan Brandmeier growing up, you know, the wacky bits, stuff like that was never big into the Stern thing. But I can definitely see there is a Stern influence in the kind of stuff that you do. But when you're doing comedy, it is so subjective. It's hilarious, as I'm sure you've done reading the reviews of your shows, because it's like every other review. One's a five star show saying you're great. The next is a one star saying you suck. 
and there's no in between. It's great. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when I got the note saying that you didn't care for the show, it doesn't phase me at all. I'm in marketing and I know that in order to be successful, you have to have people really hate you. (laughs) You look at a company like Apple. Apple has people who will do anything for them. And then you got people like my brother who would never purchase any product, no matter how good it is, because it has the Apple logo on it. And that's how you are successful is by being polarizing like that, yes. where you can get the people who are infatuated with your, your brand, like Harley Davidson or something like that. And then the people who are just totally against it. And if, if you're trying to be somewhere in the middle, oh, I want to be liked by everybody. It doesn't go anywhere. You know, you don't go anywhere with that. So I'm totally fine. We are not for everybody. In fact, I think most people who listen to our show would probably not enjoy it. Well, yeah. Welcome to the new world order, though. Everybody's got to be vanilla. The late, great Dale Earnhardt made that comment because he back in the day was the intimidator. He was the guy that his fans loved but everybody else booed him. And somebody asked him, well, doesn't it bother you that everybody boos you? And he's like, no, what would bother me is if they were quiet. (laughs) Right, right, (laughs) right. You want to hit that nerve. There's no doubt about it. Just getting a, so I I play in a a band called the Isotopes and one of the gimmicks of our band, we don't talk on stage, but we have pre-recorded announcements between every song and the, the announcer will say things that are outrageous and we treat it like a roast. We'll make fun of the venue or the band that just played before us. And to me, there's, there's two things that I want, either laughter or booze, because the reaction is what's important there. It means you've struck a nerve with people, whether they're they're there like like the heel in wrestling, whether they're booing you or they're cheering you, you're the person getting that reaction. Right. So you're the rowdy, rowdy piper of podcast. <laughs> right. No doubt about it. Maybe. Yeah. It's not a bad thing that to is, be. I mean, do you look good in a kilt? That That's so the question. What? <laughs> I said that 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 attitude is so marketing and and it it fits. I can see it. It's the the all news is good news. Yeah, and and you brought up Howard Stern, and yeah, Howard Stern was definitely an influence for me, especially in the '90s. I listened to a ton of Howard Stern, and then listening to Opie and Anthony when they came into the market around 2005, 2006, and that was a whole nother level. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely that the people that I've enjoyed on the radio were the controversial people that were constantly getting canceled and taken off the air for various reasons. Uh, there's just something about that that uh, that i'm attracted to well, and that was hard to do back in the day which is one of the topics i wanted to talk to you about with yeah. this new purge going on where you if you say something that people don't like you're being you know taken off the social media platforms and for a while oh, yeah. getting canceled is easy today well yeah and it, <laughs> it's getting worse every day because you think you like no agenda did with you know going their own way that's great but when you start seeing things like podcast addict being pulled because they're allowing podcasts through that they don't like. And when you really sit down and think about there are two big camps that control a majority of what people are listening to, because everybody more or less when the podcast sphere are listening on their phone. So you have Google and you have Apple, and it's going to get to the point to where if they don't like your podcast, even though you're independent buy your own websites, buy your own servers like No Agenda has for us doing this live stream here on the noagendastream.com. That's not going to matter in a future where Apple and Google don't let your show get listed in a podcast app because that's what everybody uses. What do you do? 
Yeah, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better because it used to be decentralized and now Spotify wants to own podcasting. And so oh, yeah. they are making huge investments. And when they buy up, the, I have some friends who have had uh, deals with Spotify, obviously the Joe Rogan one we know about, but they're reaching out to a lot of big podcasters and they want the exclusivity of it. And that's what scares me because every industry goes through the consolidation phase. And we saw it happen very quickly in the internet with Facebook and Amazon and Google deciding to just take over the internet. I mean, there used to be so many companies who had so many little pieces of it. And I think podcasting, unfortunately, Spotify is going to become the new enemy to us independent podcasters because when hey what do you listen to your podcast sound like everyone's like oh i just open up spotify well if you can't get listed there then guess what your podcast doesn't exist anymore right it was about a year ago i believe that uh that spotify approached uh, john and adam of no agenda and uh and offered them the same exclusivity deal and uh they they mentioned it on the show a couple times but they were like with with the value for value model and with the format that they have media deconstruction, there's no way that they could submit to a corporate overlord or, or anybody who could cancel them just because of something that they say when, when you are, uh, when you are picking apart advertisers as part of your show, you can't possibly get into a model where you rely on the advertisers being and corporate being happy with that. Um, you know, and, I I don't think I I don't think Grumpy Old Ben's could go to that because I'm I'm what you might call a free speech enthusiast and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, and uh, you know, WATP I think is is if if we all submit to an overlord who has the cancel button and I haven't seen this as much in podcasting as a lot of other media, but I'm sure it's coming. Uh, you know, WATP is going to be one of the first shows out there where where one snowflake is going to get offended. And you're off of the platform if, if you're not independent. Right. Well, I already went through a pretty major event uh, a couple of years ago where I pissed somebody off and they sent the what we call the job lynch mob after me, which is the oh, other yeah. way to get somebody canceled is to dox them and go after their employer. So was that the first time you were doxxed on Reddit? I know it, it happens monthly now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, this one, when people dox me in my own subreddit, it's not as bad because those are actual fans of the show. This was within a Facebook group of about 16,000 people who all decided that I was the Antichrist and that it would be super awesome if they ruined my life, which, you know, no, nothing better than mob justice. Well, and people you know, don't if, realize if you, comedy, there's, there used to be a big portion of comedy was saying the things that make people uncomfortable or saying the things that were the meanest thing that you could come up with. But now that seems to all be off limits. And with that, of course, freedom of speech dies. Well, it's worse than that, in my opinion. I agree with everything you just said, but it's even worse than that. When people used to protest Howard Stern and, and all the far right conservatives or we got to get this guy off the airwaves their reasoning was he owns a frequency on the dial and anyone could turn on the radio and hear him saying what he's saying and if you're offended by that you don't want people to the kids to hear it whatever you can protest that these people well right no i know i'm with you but i have a show on the internet which is virtually impossible to find so (laughs) 
it's it, seriously like any podcast is virtually impossible to find unless you're a celebrity. So the fact that these people amplified my voice by telling everyone about the terrible things I said tells me that they aren't actually all that concerned about the terrible things I said because no one would have heard it. It would have been the tree falling in the woods. So what's the point of going out and saying, listen to this terrible thing. It's so offensive. If you're actually offended by it, you would ignore it and know that nobody was going to hear it. It's like the Streisand effect. And what these people did, and I know I still have listeners from to this day, and this was like three years ago, uh, that found me through these people complaining about how terrible I was. You know, some people <laughs> checked it out and went, actually, I kind of find this fun- funny and I don't mind this at all. I'm going to keep listening. So it doesn't make any sense to me that you would cancel something that's so hard to find. Like, you're going to find everything that offends you on the internet and try to get it canceled. Do you know how much shit there is on the internet? That's insane. <laughs> and, and I think that, that that is exactly the right attitude to take with regards to any kind of detractors. I mean, right, right now, um, we're not big enough to have a bunch of people try like nobody's trying to threaten my job yet. And, and really people out there, what the heck? Come on, step up. But, um, I, I you got listeners out of this. You got free press. You got uh, people who would never have heard of. And, you know, I think one of one of the best segments of, of WTP is the part where you take your one star reviews on iTunes and you turn those into more marketing materials like these people absolutely hate everything we've been saying. And you you broadcast that on the show. Yeah, we actually have a policy. We want you to give us five stars because it looks better if people think that people like your show. But we ask you to shit all over us in the comment section. So we want it to be very confusing to people when they come in and it says five stars and then it talks about how terrible we are. I think that's funnier than uh, than compliments. It's hilarious. It, it's uh <laughs> Yeah, you you have you taken over the spot for the most one star reviews yet? I haven't. I, I believe that we're in second place, but a distant second behind Michael Rappaport. <laughs> well, you, you're doing something wrong. Well, so yeah, he's, he's way more unhinged than most people on the internet. <laughs> yes, Michael Rappaport pissed off uh, fans of barstool sports, and that is a cult over there. So you piss off those people, they will come at you with numbers. Yeah, internet wars are real, and that's the the again when you have the ability for a small group, or in this case, you know, Apple and Google, to be able to go to everybody that's making a podcasting app and go, well, we're going to take your app, and so it can't be used in our device if you don't take who are these podcasts off and don't let right. them list. That's scary stuff because everybody right now believes. Well, everybody's independent podcasting. There's no big blanket. We can't be silenced. Adam Curry says it all the time on no agenda. And that's only true to a certain extent, because if no agenda gets pulled from every one of the podcasting apps, that's going to hurt your audience big time. And you could say, well, you know what? Then we'll just create create our own app. But if they won't let you be on the other apps, they're certainly not going to let you have an app in the Apple or the Google Play Store. So it's, it is a real problem when people want to be silencing voices. And as we're seeing with this pandemic, sure, some people may be incorrect with what they're speculating. But when you're shutting down actual doctors who are giving what they believe is an informed opinion just because it doesn't jive with what some big government agency, whether it's the CDC or world government agency in the WHO, it is a little bit concerning. 
it's been depressing, but I'm hoping that it's waking up so many people. I have close friends who always thought I was a lunatic for thinking that the media was lying to us, who are now coming to me and going, did you see the New York Times are putting people's names on here who died from a gun wound? Like, what is going on? I was like, yeah, I mean, it's what I've been telling you for years. And, and I think people are starting to wake up and realize that we're being lied to, which, which is nice. I haven't listened to all of No Agenda yet from yesterday, but the first segment where Adam Curry brilliantly broke down that this has all been a disaster and it's obvious that they're just trying to control people and a lot of people are realizing this. So, you know, there's always going to be a percentage of people who go along with whatever authority says, but God, I hope that on the other side of this debacle that there's just less trust in government organizations and media. Well, and you're just, my hope is that yeah that 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 is dwindling. Well, and you're just right outside of Seattle, Ryan. What is going on there when the governor was asked about this this takeover of the city and laughs it off and says he hasn't heard anything about it, and then the mayor says, "Well, it's just kind of like a block party." What? So okay, so this I mean, as as people who have been following the antics of the left coast would would probably know. Uh, it, we yeah, we started getting a culture shift because I've I've been in Washington State for my entire life for more than forty years and uh, it has not always been like this but we started getting Californians in as a culture shift and then uh, we started becoming the the nexus of the 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 new left the woke left and social justice and evergreen college i don't don't remember if you remember the antics there and this has all been brewing and seattle is one of the epicenters of of woke culture and here's what happened when we weren't paying attention is uh we stopped electing leaders and well first of all there is no republican party in the washington state if if you don't have a d by your name you might as well not be on the ballot. Uh, it, it, I mean, the the state, especially the left half of the state, votes solid eighty percent Democrat every single time. And somewhere along the line, you know, it it became unnecessary for anybody to bother electing leaders because it, it was pretty clear that we were just on a ship going wherever with no rudder. And when everything's good, that's perfectly fine. So we started electing activists, and I I think. A lot of people who I I can't really fault people that much for wanting to go on with their lives and just, you know, they're like, I want to have my job and my family and I don't want to think about politics. And I know that my dad was a Democrat. My mom was a Democrat and everybody in my family was always Democrat. So I'll just vote for the D and never think about politics again. And and unfortunately, that is how most people vote, which is. I can't fault an individual for making that decision. It's a very rational decision to not want to go on and understand this. It's infuriating and, and confusing. Uh, that is a loud keyboard. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he got a mic right on it. What kind of a horrible podcast do you do? He can't, this is a horrible. My apologies. I, I never type when I'm on my show. I apologize for that. The, the condenser mic. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> So you got to get rid of the condenser mic, get a dynamic. But anyways, uh, so what what we've ended up with, and and a lot of people really never realized, is we have ended up with all of our so called leaders are just activists who get elected by pushing some political thing, and they had just enough of the the woke Activision uh, Activision activism side, 
and then they get the the solid group of people who just are like oh there's a democrat on the ballot i'll vote for that and there's no real competition and so what you end up with is the mayor of seattle the seattle city council uh the governor of washington when when everything's good you don't need leadership we elect people because the the government system is set up to always have somebody in that position but you don't really when the economy is going well and the the only thing that that a government politician can do is meddle in things and it's best when they do nothing which then you you're fine if you have an activist there but as soon as we have a real actual crisis an activist like jay inslee jay jay fucking inslee does not know how to lead and instead just goes out and virtue signals his way through trying to muddle through and, and push agendas until you end up with, yeah, uh, a, a group of Antifa communists have taken over a portion of the city of Seattle. Well, so that is true because it- CNN blamed this only on right wing coverage from Fox news lying to us that this was going on. This was not going oh, no, on. No, that is very much there. Uh, the Seattle City Council, there, the 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 area that they've taken over is about six square blocks, uh, maybe seven or eight by now. They do expand for some, like I guess, conquest. Um, but one of the places in there, there is a police precinct inside of that area. The City Council ordered the police to abandon the precinct. Uh, the mayor is currently organizing. You know the. Uh, they they reached peak communism very early because they ran out of food on the first day and started making calls for donations. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> uh, the mayor turns out money is important. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew <laughs> the mayor is organizing, sending people in the, the, I mean, this is it, from a sociological perspective. This is an amazing uh, study in it's it's kind of a lord of the flies animal farm moment and at these people who probably have never read a book um they don't need to now they're gonna live it well it's funny oh i was just gonna say real quick before that even happened scott adams had a tweet that he sent out and he said look at antifa take a portion of the country make it yours make it this utopian future that you want and let's see if your system actually works like why not carve out a space and now it's happening so we could do this social experiment and see if this system is going to work or not yay seattle i I can't get too angry at the fact that this happened simply because this is literally science this is how you determine what policies work and what doesn't True. Is, is you try them in different in small areas. It's and yet we've never tried socialism before. So thank God we're finding no, it to figure out if this thing's going to work or not. <laughs> well, no, they've never tried real socialism, you know. Right. Yeah, Bernie's, right. Bernie's type of socialism. But you can tell the way they cover the CNN talking about what's going on. They said they only have six small blocks. And I'm wondering, are there big blocks and small blocks? When I don't know. I think a block is a block, right? I don't know. Uh, is six small inches the same as six big inches? I mean, there's a whole nother conversation there. Yeah, I, I like when I watch uh, football games, they go, it's third down and one, but that's a long one. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is Yeah, what it's, it is. It's first down in inches. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of inches there, though. <laughs> right, right, everything's inches. Now, so your day job, Carl, you're into digital marketing. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Because, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, even though Ben Bro said I hate your show, is you mentioned something earlier, which is if you're not a celebrity into podcasting, your show's almost impossible to find. And then it's nearly 10 times more impossible to make money at it. And you seem to be actually doing okay 
with who are these podcasts. So how did you do it? What's the secret? Oh my gosh. <laughs> a, a lot of fortunate events that occurred. We were under the radar with no listeners. You know, I'm sure Ryan would tell you this for a number of years. And my, my co-host through 59 episodes decided that, all right, that was fun. I'm done. And I decided to keep the show going. So I just kept getting different co-hosts and people that I knew to come on. The first major event was uh, the show, the vanished this woman, Marissa Jones coming after me and trying to get me fired and, and doxing me and, getting all of her followers to to go after my uh, employer best market facebook group marketing at its best yeah i mean the only reason why i didn't lose my job is because i'm one of the owners of the company <laughs> well that helps but it helps it helps but it's not i mean they go you go after my clients and i'm done right. but but they went after my business partner and so i took the episode down and i put out an episode just saying hey uh, i don't know what you guys think i did but i don't know why you think it's worth ruining my life <laughs> i was just doing a comedy show no one would have found it if they didn't like it i don't, I don't know what to tell you so that was a, a major event and it was tough for me to go on after that because you start to realize that wow people can have a lot of power if they yes. decide to organize against you, even though I'm causing zero violence, these people can actually get together and cause real violence against me. So that was uh, discerning. A few months after that, I put out a podcast about Opie Radio and Opie's from the Opie and Anthony show. And that show, somebody put it up on YouTube and it, it went everywhere very, very quickly and just exploded for us. And because I'm so familiar with Opie from the Opie and Anthony show, I think I did a pretty good job of analyzing his podcast to the point where his former partner, Anthony Cumia, heard it and said, holy shit, I think this guy knows Opie better than I do, <laughs> and asked me to come on his show. So that was my my really big first break was then going on Anthony Cumia's show and being exposed to his. I was actually, it was funny. I go down to New York City. I'm up in Rochester, New York. I go down to New York City and I go up to his studio and I'm the second guest on the show. The first guest was Alex Jones right after Alex Jones got deplatformed. So it was a surreal experience. I'm sitting there watching Alex Jones talk about the end of our constitution as we know it and free speech. And then they bring me on. I'm like, hey, I make fun of podcasts. What's going on? everybody we <laughs> but that was uh, that I, I that was huge for me i think that's actually a great combination because alex is the one who's going to come out and say we need free speech and you know and scream about it. i mean he i i have a kinship with him because we both uh rant incoherently on podcasts <laughs> but uh, he's a little more successful than you but yeah all right he, he's <laughs> working on it a little <laughs> Yeah, that was how big is your staff, Ryan? I haven't been deplatformed yet. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but uh, then you come on and and you and your show are exactly the reason why freedom of speech is so important. And a lot of people, you know, this is not something that that anybody under 30 these days seems to even have heard, let alone understand. But but I take it to heart is the idea of uh i may not like what you say but i will defend your right to say it and we need we need you know we need old people ranting about how the constitution is gone and we need people to be able to say what they need to say and we need somebody to go onto a little known podcast and go tear down other people just for having you know terrible microphones and clacky keyboards 
<laughs> right. Which I've done both of those things today. My apologies. But you have to understand like the reason behind stuff like the Jimmy Fallon just took a bunch of crap for having done a Chris Rock impersonation with the blackface on. And people always look at things in such a narrow specter, you know, just with blinders for everything of what's really going on in the world. And they focus on one little thing. And it's like, well, one, he's actually a good friend of Chris Rock's. Uh, Chris Rock enjoyed the impersonation. So how can it be racist? You know, it doesn't make sense. And people just miss out like, well, no, he did blackface back blackface. So, of course, he must be a horrible racist. But it's like, well, there's a big difference between putting on the blackface and singing Mammy and making fun of somebody and doing and, you know, an impersonation that the guy thinks is funny. Well, you and I know that. But the fact that Jimmy Fallon came out and apologized makes it that it is racist. I mean, he pretty much justified the outrage with his apology tour that he did. So it's all moot now. Yeah, well, the apologies have to stop for things yes. that aren't race. I mean, Obama started this with the apology tour around the world, apologizing yeah. for everything bad with the United States. Well, everything well, was going to get it, better. But but right. Obama does have a lot to apologize for. <laughs> yeah, but not, don't apologize <laughs> not that for time. the U.S. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, it's disheartening because I would have loved to see Jimmy Fallon come on and say exactly that. Like, I'm friends with Chris Rock. This was an impression. We put on wigs. We put on makeup. This is what we do. It's Have you ever seen a, a sketch comedy show before? What are you guys talking about? And just squ- squashed it. But of course, he works for NBC and he can't do that. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, the purge is real, which is, is. why podcast. I mean, podcasts, I think maybe are just further down the list and maybe it's harder, maybe more work. I don't know, because we know it's happened in YouTube. And you said you follow Scott Adams, Carl. And if I saw a video from Scott Adams a couple of weeks ago showing his YouTube earnings fall off a cliff once they mm-hmm. you know changed the algos, which is why he went over to uh, locals or whatever that new site is. That's kind of like Patreon, whatever. Uh, There seems to be a lot of these types of sites coming around. I don't know what's going to make them uh, keep the people safe that are still saying controversial things, because as we saw, even with PayPal, if somebody's taking PayPal donations and somebody doesn't like them, well, then the PayPal gets hit and then the credit card companies go, well, we're not going to take PayPal then. And it's a it really is a domino effect that it's rare, which is why uh, Dick Masterson started his own kind of Patreon to get rid of this, but how do you even slow this down? How do you fight back when, you know, PayPal says, well, we can't take donations for you anymore because Visa and MasterCard say we can't. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Dick Masterson with his new project too has really tried to be an alternative and he's run into so many issues with that because he has to, he still has to deal with banks. It's still the monetary system that we all use. And even Anthony Cumia, because he was getting, he got fired for tweets. I mean, this, this is a radio guy who got fired because of things that he tweeted when he wasn't on air, which is perplexing, but he decided, all right, well, I'll start my own network. I got compound media and I'll do everything myself. Well, he still has to have some type of video server. He still has to use third parties, uh, ISPs. He has to use third parties in order to push out his content. And he explained this at length. Like, There's no such thing as just being an independent broadcaster. We need this, the hardware and we need the equipment that is used in order to transmit this stuff on the internet. So you're never going to be, like we were talking about earlier, 
you're never going to just have your own podcast app in your own little silo and no one can touch you because you still have to be on a platform. You still have to be able to get to that phone in order for somebody to hear it. And there's always going to be very large corporations with everything to lose and nothing to gain who will just shut you down because it's just the easiest way forward. It makes sense. That really does. And it's, it's not like you said, I think things are going to get worse before they get better. I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But the uh, the purge is real. The deplatformings are real and they don't seem to be slowing down. They seem to be getting worse. And you, you saw that with the Drew Brees thing, which is people that are saying very reasonable, rational things like, well, you know, my family was in the military, so I want to stand for the national anthem. <laughs> You're now apologizing for that. Because yeah. if you don't, if you don't bow down to what they want you to say, then you're not going to have a platform at all. And I don't know. I've always gone to it's a very easy way to figure out who's the asshole. It's the person trying to silence somebody this is the well, asshole. Also, why do we care what Drew Brees has to say? Just throw the football, <laughs> Drew Brees. I don't care what he has to say. Right. Which Colin Kaepernick I, I, I just the same way. Yes. May I inject a question? No. Who the yeah. hell is Drew Brees and why do I care? So you should. Which might have been your point. <laughs> right. He's a football quarterback. Yeah. The Ron the Super Bowl in 2009. Great, great quarterback. Okay. So uh, he's good at good at, at taking a foot, you know, taking a hit and throwing a football. Why does that mean that anything this person has to say matters? It's this is the same problem with celebrities who think that just because they've got some screen time on some show that happened to be well-written and directed, that suddenly that means that we need to listen to their every word about uh, politics or, or even hair care products is it's you're a pretty face. What do I care what you have to say? And actually, Ryan, I should mention if you haven't listened to who are these podcasts before, which is a podcast review show, I do my darndest to keep politics out of it. And I've always thought that people who make their show about them are so pompous. I've made it a point that I don't care if you know who I am or what I care about or my co-host. We're not here to tell you about our daily lives or issues that we have with our wife or girlfriend. We're here to goof on this podcast, tell you why it sucks, and then we're out. And I think I've been one of the few podcasts who actually has not talked about the pandemic, has not talked about the race riots, you know, as much as I can not talk about those things, it's very difficult because you listen to podcasts who are talking about it, but. <laughs> right. struggle is real when 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 i'm you you uh, a topic comes up and i i can just you know just listening to your show i can hear the wheels spinning in your head like i really want to make some comment about this because this situation is so amazingly retarded and these people are it and no i'm not a political show right yeah, but see, and, and the I could, only thing I took out of that was, Carl, you're obviously having a problem with your wife or girlfriend or both. So you can feel free to open up and let us know what that is. Come on. Let it oh, it's been marital bliss. I, I can't tell you. <laughs> I, no, it's I, funny. I do this. I do this other show called The Creep Off with my buddy Vinny. And on that show, it's we call it a true crime show. And basically what we it's a contest. We each present a person in the news who's a creep and then try to make our case for it. And then people can go on our website and vote for whose creep wins that week. And so I, I do bring a little bit of political commentary to that show. Like my creep a couple of weeks ago was Governor Cuomo. And I just wanted to make <laughs> the point. Yeah. It should definitely should have won. This guy was sending COVID-19 patients into nursing homes and telling everyone, people like me, that I couldn't go out and, and go 
go shopping at, at Marshall's. Like this doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? So there, there are there are certain things I try to work in, but it's all in the you want to be humorous with it. You want to make it fun. I think that they could have they could have solved the rioting problems in New York really easily. Just send all the rioters into the nursing homes. Yeah. I like it. I like it, Ryan. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Darren never thinks that my jokes go anywhere, so thank you for giving me the pity laugh on that one. But you, you're, you're there, welcome, was, buddy. there was a pause before the pity laugh, let's be honest. <laughs> I thought he was going somewhere with that. <laughs> He's never going anywhere. That's the problem with him as a co-host. He's never going anywhere. I'm just going to sit in the corner and cry for a minute. Don't mind. <laughs> just one minute. Uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. I, it was one of the, uh, one of the last creep offs. Wasn't there something about necrophilia in there? I mean, there's, Oh yeah. We get into some really gross stuff. <laughs> yeah. I guess it lives up to the yeah. name then. So there, that's something to be said for having a good name. Uh, grumpy old Ben's. We didn't really realize that nobody outside the no agenda like universe would understand what it means. That probably wasn't helpful. My other podcast is, uh, random thoughts r-e-n-d-u-m-b thoughts which is nearly impossible to you think impossible to find <laughs> you spell something in a crazy way that's not the way to do podcasts although i really appreciated uh larry blydner who was on your last two are these podcasts giving me the plug with spelling the name out larry is a great guy it was a lot of fun to hear you guys talking yeah and i heard you guys talking about that and it was funny that larry did pull me out of my format a little bit which typically doesn't happen i don't get into like long-winded conversations with people on the show we keep it moving and i want to just go 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 and larry would just get a sidetrack to going off on conversations on things i'm like all right what are we doing we got to get back to this but but conversations with larry are so delightful oh i agree you just have to indulge him sometimes i totally agree it was it was awesome to talk to him and you, I mean, you brought up something that we've talked with Larry about, which it gets right back into the marketing a bit, which is there's a lot of podcasts I think that we all like, including Larry's show that you go, why is his show at such a low level of success? I mean, mm. we, we have Rogan as the top, but we also have, you know, Dick Masters. And there's a lot of people doing really well in the podcasting realm. And guys like Larry put out a great show and you, he has some traction, but by comparison, very little. It's like, how do you take that step as a podcast from being one of those shows that nobody can really find to people are talking about you and you start building that audience? And it, does it just kind of go from, uh, you know, unknown to really popular overnight because of something like going viral with your, uh, you know, your thing on YouTube where people posted or, uh, you know, what, what is the, what is the magic sauce? So Larry told me on the show that he and I are in the top 2.5% of podcasts because we both actually have act people actively subscribing and donating money to our shows, which apparently only the top 2.5% have that. So if you put that into perspective and you say, Larry Widener's show is awesome, and I totally agree. I, I think he's brilliant. And he also it produces it well. It's just well edited and well executed. Everything about it's really, really well done. But if you put it in perspective and you say, man, the guy's not as popular as Joe Rogan. He's not making that much money. But there's a million podcasts out there. Well, right. But there's a million podcasts out there. And he is in the top 2.5% where he deserves to be. So while it might not be maybe what we thought, maybe what we think he, he deserves, he is doing very, very well. And to answer your question, Darren, that, that Opie show going viral gave us a nice bump. 
and all of these different things that have happened since then, going on Anthony Cumia, going on Dick Masterson, going on the Drew and Mike show, like some of these big appearances and things that I've done where I brought more audience over has just continued to increase that. Grumpy old Ben's. Yeah, we'll see what kind of bump we get to this. But doing these types of appearances, it grows very slowly over time. If you do a good enough show, it doesn't drop off and it continues to grow. So fortunately, we're still in, in growth mode right now. And it's it's a slow go. It's a slog, but it's um, it's exciting. It's, it's obviously very rewarding to have people you know enjoy the show and, and even uh, subscribe and donate. And what have you what, found what? to be the best way? to monetize we know the no agenda value for value model which is what we've been using here on grumpy old bens and it seems to be working well people are donating i mean it's not no agenda level but we're a very new show by comparison um we know you do stuff on patreon and through the other types of uh, donations and stuff is there one way that's better than another you think because no agenda if you you listen you know adam curry very much against any of the stuff which, you know, who are these podcasts is doing with a couple of bonus apps out uh, episodes yeah. behind the paywall. Larry does bonus episodes <laughs> behind the paywall. Adam Curry hates that concept, thinks everything should be free and just do value for value. But I, I think that a combination is maybe what works because people need that extra little incentive at times, which is if you're a really big fan, you're like, well, I'm still getting it for free. So there's no reason to get myself off my ass and actually donate. So if there were a couple of episodes that I have to donate to get, then maybe that would be helpful. Do you have any thoughts on what works best or what people should do? If you're starting a podcast and you're growing an audience, how would you recommend starting the whole monetization thing? Yeah, I wish I had it all figured out. I was against doing Patreon for a very long time. And then it finally got to the point where I was getting notes from people on a daily basis saying, I would donate to your show if there was a way to do so. And I went, okay, I am being very stupid right now. And I need to start a Patreon. I love money on the table. Right. I, I love Adam Curry's take on it. It's noble. It makes a lot of sense for what they can do. Obviously I'm a knight. I've donated to the no agenda show quite a bit. And I, I appreciate um, the value for value model. I think Patreon with bonus episodes is the way to go because it's Adam and Curtis said, you're only going to get 2% of the listeners to actually donate money when you make it voluntary like that. So if you want to increase that 2% to 5% or 10%, then there needs to be some type of incentive. And if you can go on and say, Hey, welcome to the show, man. We just put out a bonus episode. It was so good. We talked about this and this and this, and you get people going, Oh, what, I, what do I got to do to get this bonus episode? That's five bucks a month. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that, that seems doable. And the other reason why I like Patreon and the reason why I went along with that, and I'm, I'm working on a new project too, account too, but the reason why I went with that is because people already have their account set up. They're already using it for other shows they like that are putting out bonus shows. They know how to use it. Their credit card's already on file. So it makes it a lot easier. I've, I have like a PayPal people can donate to as well. And I, I get some donations through that, but it's so much easier if it's already in a built-in platform platform people are used to using and and know where to find that makes sense that makes and having that bonus content as long as you're not doing the uh hey well we just did our first half of the interview with carl now if you want to hear the rest (laughs) i hate that (laughs) i hate that so much yeah and i think watp has a pretty good format because each show is completely consumable in as a unit without having to refer to previous ones the the biggest complaint at least this is the one dvorak always brings up with uh with trying to put any part of no agenda behind a paywall 
is that they they kind of in the stream of consciousness format they're constantly referring to things that happened before and if you mm-hmm. don't have access to some of that it's going to be it, it's going to be a problem do you have I, I have a question because this this is something that i've definitely seen with other people who've gone paywalls do you have people who react negatively to the idea that there is extra content out there all over and above the free stuff but oh it's not free and therefore you're brand is worse no i i have seen a lot of people in the discord on subreddit who are like i'm not gonna pay for this you know and are pretty flippant about it which is fine i i if you're not compelled to spend five dollars to listen to a, a bonus episode a month or a couple bonus episodes a month so be it i won't i i'm not surprised by that but no i haven't heard anybody actually get upset with us for for monetizing the show and i thought maybe there would be some of that backlash but i haven't heard it I, I, I think I think what you're doing with the bonus episodes is amazing, and I, for one, am glad that we don't have to thank Deep Discounts anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Deep Discount is no longer a sponsor, but uh, I'm not against having other sponsors on the show. I know you're not allowed to say that on the Noah Judge's stream. I'm probably going to get a lot of people all upset with me right now, uh, but no, there are other sponsors I'm that I'm the only one. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's other sponsors that I'm, I'm very open to. Like if people want to get a boner by chewing on a pill, I'm, f- I'm very cool with that. If people want to bet on sports, I love that. So I don't, you know, I, I'm all for it. I don't, like I said, I don't do a political show. I, I appreciate that no agenda doesn't have sponsors because yeah, bad, bad things can happen when you start having to answer to pharmaceutical companies. But if, uh, if you're just doing a show goofing on other podcasts, sponsors can either support it or not, you know, it's, it's up to them. Well, yeah, with Rogan now going this uh, the Spotify route, I'm assuming the amount of sponsors is going to go up dramatically and it's going to be harder to skip those segments. Uh, mm-hmm. it'll, you know, that's the one thing I'm kind of curious and how it's going to change, because now that somebody else is paying him, they're the ones that need to recoup their money. So we can say, well, my right. show's not going to change, but Patreon's paying or um, the uh, Spotify's paying them X amount of money. They actually want to make money on this deal. And if they're going to sell ads, the, the this concept that Rogan's been using, which is put them at the beginning and the end of the show. I mean, anybody that has, you know, a third of a brain is able to figure <laughs> out you can skip those without listening yeah. to them. Um, yeah. Although with the with the uh, Spotify app now, I'm assuming they can make it so you can't skip it, which would be, I think, a really bad idea. Right. You need to be able to I skip around in the show. I, I think that's probably likely. And, and it's one of the reasons why the, the, the format of an open RSS feed and an MP3, you can download that you can load into whatever player you want. iTunes, VLC, windows media player. Does anyone use that? No. Uh, <laughs> you being able to uh, load into and, and play it like it's a media file is, is I think a part and parcel of podcasting and that, Agreed. Uh, it, the the paywall is not the most frightening thing uh, to me about Spotify. It's the fact that it went, you know, when, if you're Spotify and you control all of this and you control how people do it, it is a no brainer for from Spotify's perspective to say, well, we get more money for the ads if we can demonstrate people can't skip it. Therefore, the only way to listen to the show is to install the Spotify app. And uh, anybody who's listened to grumpy old Ben's knows that we're, we're generally against using apps when, when a, a website or a free player will do because apps tend to come with spyware with 
uh, it, you know, things that, that run on your machine or device that you don't necessarily want to run. And it, it's, it, it, it makes sense though. If, if you can control the entire field, why wouldn't you take technical steps to say, yes, we, we can in fact force people to hear the ads. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I have a, another opinion on what Spotify is doing, where they're buying up all of the not. Well, it started with buying up podcasting networks, and now they're buying up individual shows. My thought is that they want to corner the market, not necessarily monetize it right away. They don't mind losing money on the Joe Rogan deal if they become acquired by like a Google or who's going to want to own the streaming services, like. Apple had a piece of it. They've kind of let that slip away. They weren't too worried about it. Spotify's getting into it. I wonder if Google, who owns YouTube and is trying to turn that into a music platform to some degree, oh, I wonder yeah. if Google's going to say, geez, you know, we really screwed up. We, we don't own podcasting. We should probably go buy Spotify. And I wonder if Spotify is just doing this so that they're so attractive to a future buyer that they don't have to monetize it at any point. They'll just sell for trillions of dollars and be happy. So you're thinking that Rogan might just be bent over and Spotify will be like, here's your new overlord. Got to go. We got paid. <laughs> how, how ironic would that be if Rogan ended up getting <laughs> sold back to YouTube? Wouldn't that make sense, though? It makes nothing it but does. sense. No, I like it. I love the theory. But. But I, I'm just thinking, you know, Rogan, the entire Spotify deal from Rogan's perspective, I feel like was, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure the money was probably involved, but was to get away from YouTube because YouTube was jerking him around. And yeah. I, yeah. I, that I was interesting. Yeah. That, that Joe, could get sold right back to him. Yeah. I mean, Joe Rogan did say that he had guests lined up that YouTube told him he couldn't use or they wouldn't help. They wouldn't allow him to monetize or they would take him down. I, I can't remember what it was, but he wanted to talk to some of these physicians who think that the lockdown was probably not the best way to go about this uh, pandemic nonsense. And YouTube was censoring who we could have on the show, which I'm sure was a huge factor in him saying, all right, then I'll go to Spotify, but that's not a long-term solution for this. Spotify is just going to do the same thing. Right, because if the advertisers jump, then what does Spotify do? So you can say right. Spotify has no control, but you're no longer making that decision for yourself. If Joe Rogan Correct. wants to continue doing episodes and say, say things that people don't like and not get money, well, that's fine. You can do that without advertisers. But when you have somebody that's paying you, you can say you're not their employee. Uh, and technically, he's not an employee, I'm sure, of Spotify, but he's kind right. of an employee of Spotify at this point. Yeah, I mean, the only place you're going to be able to find his show and the the video of a show is going to be on Spotify. So I guess he's worked it out so he can put some segments of a show on YouTube still in order to continue to promote the show on YouTube, because obviously that's a huge channel for him. But in order to see all of it, it's exclusively on Spotify. So, yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's an employee. Right. Which now Spotify isn't even big at all if they're even doing any video right now. So they're going to be trying to figure right. this stuff out on the fly which is always interesting to watch but uh yeah they need to be able to do the small clips although i don't know if that's going to help the we've already had with the no agenda uh, crew uh we've seen comments about the rogan thing saying well i'm not downloading a new app i'm not doing this i'm not getting an account on spotify just so i can listen and he's going to know pretty quickly what is happening to his overall audience numbers and he may just not care because i'm thinking he does a lot of other stuff 
He says he started this whole podcasting thing as a lark. Becoming number one was this just shows everybody getting into podcasting. Do it for the right reasons and you'll probably be successful. Don't go into it thinking, well, gee, I'm going to make a full time job out of this in a year because (laughs) it ain't going to happen for sure. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to make money from podcasting. That's not a good reason to start doing it. No. No. It's, it. It's easy to become a millionaire as a podcaster. You just start out <laughs> as a billionaire. Start with a billionaire, right? And it can happen. Yeah. Our buddy, there you go. and you've heard the name, Sir Carl, a thousand times, comic strip blogger, is very, yep. very vehement with, you, you never make money podcasting. Never. If you're not celebrity. And I agree, it makes it a thousand times harder. But there are some people out there who are making a decent living doing the podcasting bit, whether it's, you know, YouTube is changing a little bit, but there's a lot of people on YouTube that have made a ton of money. And I don't know if you call that, he may say that's not podcasting, but it is video podcasting. Tell comic strip blogger to check out uh, Chapo Trap House or Come Town. These are shows of people I don't think were famous before they started their shows. Uh, who? Well, actually, another one would be my dad wrote a porno who got an HBO deal out of it and are, are doing theaters. But if you look at the Patreon for like Come Town, I think they're making forty thousand dollars a month. No, it's amazing. Now these are the exceptions and not the rules. And I, you know, I'm always quick to say just because there's exceptions doesn't mean that, yeah, you can make money podcasting. You can't, you're not going to make money from, from starting a podcast unless you have an amazing format. Like we do over at uh, WATP, <laughs> right? <laughs> unless you have a great idea for a podcast, but most people just talking into a microphone, not going to be compelling enough to make a living from that. No. And what is your thought? Because I've well, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Larry, that Larry show. And I do a single show called Random Thoughts, which Larry's the one that kind of kicked me in the ass to do that because I was waiting for a buddy who we had done podcasts. And he's like, oh, well, let's let's start up another show and then just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. So Larry's like, you know what? Go the solo route. You never have to worry about your co-host showing up. You're yeah. in complete control of everything. But. When I start looking and and then you started grumpy old Ben's and learned Larry was right. Yes, he was. He was absolutely right. Although he likes you. I don't understand what he thinks you bring to the table. Uh, But these solo shows are very hard. And Rogan, it's not a solo show because he always has a guest. But when you look at there are a lot of shows with one person just musing, you know, that that's the way the whole format is never seem to be anywhere as popular as a multi-person show and i'm not sure if it is just like the voyeurism part of it that people feel like they're more a part of a conversation if they're hearing two voices or if it's just that hard to do the solo show and get an audience because the solo show random thoughts is older by quite a few months than grumpy old ben's but has about a quarter of the audience. So either people love Bemrose, which I know that can't be true. That can't be it. Or no, they just no, prefer the format. And it does seem, if you look, the solo show, very rare. And the, you know, a bunch of buddies sitting around bullshitting seems to be quite popular. And that's kind of where your format comes through. And it seems to work. Do you know solo why? Shows, solo shows are really hard to do. They're much harder to do. A guy I listened to, Tim Dillon, is a stand-up comedian. He has a solo show, the Tim Dillon show. And it's fantastic because the guy's brilliant and just comes up with really funny angles and takes on things and is endlessly entertaining. If he added somebody else, it'd probably be annoying. I'd be like, ah, I want this other guy to shut up. But if you think about what solo shows have been from the radio days, it's usually a call-in show. 
Because listening to one guy prattle on for hours, it's going to get repetitive. It's going to lose its energy. You need to have someone to bounce things off of. And I think that's where podcasting, it's tough. If you're not doing it live, you don't have a live audience actively calling in and you're just sitting there and talking into a microphone, very difficult to keep people's attention and and to be entertaining for the entire time. Yes. And to keep doing the show without stopping. Oh, I can do that better. That is the one thing also I would suggest for people to get better at podcasting is to do the show live. Even if you're just doing it live and we'll go back and edit it later, of course, but if you want to get I was just going to say doing the solo show live would be way, way harder because I I could see doing a full solo show, but I could also see stopping in the middle and going, okay, that, you know, I wanted to do that or taking a break to look something up or trying to, to talk for a half hour or an hour straight is, is way harder than, than talk, you know, the, the, the modern YouTube technique where you have uh, a thousand jump cuts per. <laughs> yes. Minute. Oh, I know. Uh, so annoying. So Darren, how do you do I your mean, show? Do you have uh, do you have a script that you go off of? Do you edit the hell out of it? Take breaks? How do you do it? Um, no edit. Well, I won't say I can't say no editing, but very, very little editing. Um, again, when I started doing it way more editing when it's a longer show like one of the last shows went an hour which is uh, a little a little much especially when it was a very rant filled episode we were going full bemrose and i mean i was I could, I could tell i was losing my voice so i had to stop every now and then and drink some warm coffee and- why do you think i sound like this <laughs> that's right it's the it's the nonstop rant but doing the doing the show with even with a co-host when i started out doing all this well one the technology really wasn't there to do live streaming so it was again a thing where it's not the same feeling especially with the no agenda stream is absolutely awesome because people show up and they listen to the shows live and you see them in the troll room and that does give a whole different energy where if you don't have that it is uh, it's way too easy if you know you can stop you know you can edit stuff out. It removes part of that energy from the podcast, and there's no way to really define what that is. But knowing mm-hmm. you're on and you can't stop and you have to keep going, it's either going to uh, um, make you like a deer in the headlights to where you totally stop and freeze, or it helps you kind of get over the whole fact that people are listening. And I went in... Um, back in uh, right well college to jonathan brandmeyer here in chicago on the loop which was the biggest rock and roll station in chicago at the time and the sports guy wasn't going to be in so the whatever he's on johnny was on for three or four hours so he had three or four sports casts that needed to be covered for that day of course they just did a contest and i was one of the guys that went in to do the sports and while i was nervous kind of sitting there in the little green room waiting when they put the microphone in front of me, I was absolutely fine. And it was a weird thing to be looking at that microphone going, I know at this time, my voice is being heard by over a million people because Brandmeier's ratings were off the hook. Wow. And it, you just, you either, it either makes you freeze or you find it to be really a lot of fun and you keep doing it. And, uh, you know, we don't have that big of an audience now, but it's that same energy going on that uh, you're doing it live. People are listening. And I think that really makes it a lot better. I know you do your show on Discord, so you have that energy of the fans that are 
Although you said you don't really pay much attention when Larry yeah. was responding to people in the Discord. You're like, wait, you actually listen? You, you wait, don't listen to them. Don't oh, reply. Yeah. yeah. We 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 drop really amazing material into the Discord all the time when, when we're recording live, and you're just ignoring all of it. There have been times when I've glanced over and realized that the audio screwed up or something's not working that should be working. I'm just going on and on, and I go, oh, oh, according to the Discord, nothing's working. I guess I should pay more attention to this. I'm, uh, yeah, go ahead. There have also been... Oh, there've also been uh, more than one occasion where I've managed to put some comment in and you just happen to glance over and it derailed the show. Uh, and, and I go and listen <laughs> well, to the, the podcast too. afterward. You edited that out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand because, because it is hard. You, you go look at a chat room or something. And, and if you're not like, I, I just did it. I just freaking did it right there. I looked over at the chat room to see if anybody had responded and uh, it really kind of can, it can derail what you're doing. Well, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And so I always go back and edit my shows and clean things up. And I was reluctant to do it live on the discord at first. And now I'm enjoying it because people hear what actually happened. And if they want, they can go back and hear what I turned it into. And when I say that there isn't a ton of editing that goes on, but there could be times when I'm trying to get a guest in on Skype and their connection screwing up and we have to reboot and, you know, just things that happen throughout a show that are pretty natural that you, you tighten up and no one who listens to it would ever know any of this stuff happened. I think there's an element of that that people enjoy. They're like, Oh, this is what actually happened to make this show what it turned into before, you know, before they uploaded it. Oh yeah. You, you always want to edit out the, the technical stuff because that's not part of the show. Uh, you, what you don't want to do is edit out the, the bloopers and the side comments. Cause then, then you're not authentic and now you're NPR. Well, but, I have uh, additional pressure on me, Ryan, because as you know, I go after podcasts for every mistake they make. So <laughs> when you do that, you have to realize that you can't make the same mistakes or else people are just going to look at you and go, what are you talking about? So it makes it very difficult. I have to watch my crutch words. I have to watch technical difficulties. I'm upgrading my equipment finally. You're not hearing it today, but I'll have better equipment. So there's a lot of things that I have to be extra cautious about because I am such a dick. Yeah, when we, well, I, that I, makes I, sense. We're, we're listening to the Larry episode. I'm like, well, has this guy never heard of a compressor and Ryan's like, well, you can ask him that. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, it, they're not hard. We can give you some really good ideas for uh, for audio gear because it makes I do wanna, a big difference. I, do I can press the shit out of my podcast. What are you talking about? Well, not right now. Not when you're doing it no, live. No, 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 not right now. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to congratulate you, though. Um, a, a few minutes ago, you actually you did pronounce the word exactly correctly. Oh, good. I've been working on that. And that's another thing, too, is I get a lot of feedback from people and don't think that I'm not thinking about that all the time. So there oh, are sure. words that I don't pronounce correctly. Neurotic. <laughs> yes, correct. Even even when I'm not podcasting, I can just be in a meeting at work and say the word picture. And I'm like, did I say that right? I, I don't know, because sometimes I, I pronounce it with the T before the C. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it gets a little bit tough. You get up inside your own head a little bit. Well, and a lot of doing the live show is multitasking. I think one of the first times we realized that the podfather himself was listening to one of our live shows, we were uh, going on about podcasting and how they make it look easy and how he can be responding to people, kicking people in the troll room while playing clips and then responding to Dvorak. And Ben Rose was like, I mean, I don't know how he does it. And up in the chat room pops up 30,000 hours experience. And that was the answer. It's like, I get it. 
practice. Yeah, I, I've got, I've definitely gotten a lot better at it because I used to have Kevin do all the technical stuff on his side. So when I took over the show, I'm the one now with the soundboard playing all the clips, setting everything up. I got to keep, I have my notes set up. I'm trying to keep things moving along. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of multitasking that goes on and God, I'm sure you guys are, it might be happening right now when your brain shuts off for a minute or, or you're sidetracked on something. And then all of a sudden it's silent and it's time for you to talk. It's the scariest thing. I'm like, Oh shit. What, what was just said? I have no idea. That's okay. I know at I, least once a show, Ryan gets up and goes to the bathroom without telling me. So <laughs> perfect. That, that was that was a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, it uh, works. I, the 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 brain shuts off thing. I have the absolute greatest crutch for that one is, is I don't have to work on my radio voice. You know, in radio, you have to keep things going. You have to keep things moving, and I don't have to worry about that because if I ever stop for a second, then I know Darren will <laughs> jump right in with something. Wow, you guys like rehearse that. That's impressive. It just I happens it. enough. <laughs> We're always ready. We know that you have to uh you have to be there and it's no agenda that is the one thing if you were going to be critiquing the no agenda show. I mean, it works for them, but when I've been editing this show because my buddy Matt Dubiel who runs WCKG here in Chicago, um he start running the station, they bought the station and they went to a format of all sports betting talk now all sports <laughs> stop so really bad time to do that yeah so he needed content he asked if they could run no agenda but it has to be fcc friendly so i offered to do the editing to take out all of the fucks and shits and even douchebag he's like people you know it doesn't matter what it is if people can complain they can get dinged and that whole bit but one thing I noticed by looking at the waveform in Audacity while doing the editing, there are a lot of long pauses in No Agenda. The other day when I was doing the editing for the latest show, I went and cut all silences down. If they were longer than a half a second, I made them a half a second. And I think like four minutes came off the show. So there's a lot of silence mm-hmm. in the show because they, they just don't have that back and forth. I mean, they can learn from Ryan and I. <laughs> and if adam hears that he'll laugh at me but hey by the way i gotta say i am so happy for no agenda so i've been a listener for a long time we actually based WATP a lot on their format the idea that you would pull a clip put some context around it before you pull it play the clip and then talk about it afterwards very much because of no agenda and i remember getting a lot of sad puppies in my newsletters i haven't seen one in a long time <laughs> I, f- I feel like they've really exploded recently obviously the joe rogan ex- appearance did a lot for them but it's been awesome that their audience has grown so much they definitely deserve it yes yeah, so it was nice to hear adam talking about just how much the numbers jumped in the apple at least uh, podcasting yeah. after he was on rogan and it makes sense they're doing shows and they're covering things that not a lot of people are covering honestly and basically grumpy old Ben's it's it's funny because we based it on no agenda we just decided to do no agenda without clips and <laughs> right. I think it just means we and, and, and without much. filters right well they don't have filters either oh I mean, come on. <laughs> the the other thing, the other thing about no agenda that I've noticed has really blown up in the last probably three months. Like since since the COVID thing started, is their run length? Oh uh, yeah, I, yeah. For, as as somebody who times my workout by when no agenda ends, um, I'm, I'm getting more exercise these days than I used to. <laughs> well, now you're the digital marketing guru. 
um, Carl. So when you're somebody starting a podcast, because we've had these conversations between Ryan and myself and everybody that wants to do a podcast, one of the things that they look at is, well, how long should it be? Is there yeah. any, I, do you have any kind of, uh, you know, rule of thumb on this or is it just, just do whatever it takes? I do. I, I have the answer to that. I know that's, you, you might think that I, I, I just would. want to point out by asking that question, Darren has demonstrated he doesn't listen to your show, but, but go on. <laughs> He's already said he hates it. It's fine. No, Ryan said I hated it. I said that was strong. I have, I mean, I'm always talking, so it's kind of hard to listen. That's the problem. Right. That makes sense. So the answer to that question, because I listen to No Agenda for three and a half hours, and I also like shows that are 20 minutes. The answer is keep it quality. And whatever length of time you can continue to have quality content is how long it should be. Right. So we do do a part at the end of our show, which is a voicemail segment that a lot of people drop off for. And I purposely put it after the ending credits so that people know, like, okay, now we're going to do some boring voicemail stuff. If you want to hear your your voice on our show, you can continue to listen. But as long as you have quality content the entire time and you don't have these long, boring parts of the show, then make it whatever length it needs to be. Right. It's amazing. Darren, to me I think to watch. I just figured out what we've been doing wrong. Well, I should drop you from the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just need we need to make, we need to be putting out quality content instead of the. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Quality. We should have we should have figured that instead of quantity. But it's amazing. How many start people, with that? How many people drop off on the no agenda stream during the shows, even during the first donation segment, although the first donation segment's been like an hour and 45 minutes in now. So, yeah, I, I can kind of get that. But we, we see the people dropping off before the end of show mixes and there are people that just consume part of a show which is also kind of weird to me although i have kind of a little bit of an ocd thing when it comes to that and i noticed that first as just a kid if i would get into a band like i didn't really find bruce springsteen until born in the usa came out i was 14 years old but then i had to go and get the first four or five albums before that even though i'd never heard them because well now i'm a fan so i should have everything which is really yeah. dangerous with podcasts. <laughs> it, it could take a lot of time out of your day. Oh, when I first discovered No Agenda, I went back. I was looking up dates of different events that happened. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear what these guys had to say about that. So I was going back through the back catalog and finding all sorts of episodes. I'm so, yeah, so I'm with sorry. you on that. They have a hell of an archive. For sure. I, actually, I, I probably shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't make fun of you guys for that because the. The way that I listen to No Agenda is at any given time, I'm usually a couple weeks behind because I just listen to them completely in order. And uh, if if my time goes goodbye, I mean, right now, I think my podcast player is on episode 1243. Oh, so you just found out so about COVID. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Like, yeah, the riots have it. Actually, the riots haven't even started yet. It's like a golden age. Jeez. Those halcyon days of youth. So what is now what is easier to monetize? Your music or your podcasts? Well, I'm definitely more successful as a podcaster than I'm a musician, but the so the, he has a day job. The fun thing about playing music is now you put it up in the digital distribution world and it goes out in all the different platforms. And every couple months, we just get money that comes in from people either downloading it or just streams. And I mean, it's well documented. You don't make a lot of money doing that sort of thing. But we play live shows and live shows we typically get 
the door. So if people are paying seven bucks or 10 bucks a head and we can get a hundred people in there, 150 people in there, then we can make decent amount of money doing that. So that's very different because there's a live performance aspect to it. You don't make much money on the digital stuff, but you can make some money doing it live. Well, there are people doing the podcasting live, which I find to be just fantastic. You know, Kevin Smith does it. Uh, The local radio legend, Steve Dahl has been doing that once uh, he he was got, well, booted off the radio because talk radio is dead now because nobody needs to know what the weather is and what the traffic is, you know, every 15 minutes. Talk so he, radio is very much alive. They're called podcasts. Yeah. Which it's, is what uh, he's doing. It's 14 minutes past the hour, everybody. Yeah. What's the temperature out there? Do we, do we need an umbrella <laughs> today? Come on. But, you know, he's doing that, too. You know, over at the local comedy clubs, they go in and they sell out to go do a recording of a podcast. Now, how great of a gig is that you're going to record your podcast anyway you just take your rig to the local comedy store if you're or a comedy shop and if you're kevin smith you take it to a theater that seats a couple thousand people yeah. you sell the place out and there's uh, a show called how did this get made and it's a movie review show uh with some famous comedians who are on it so it's, it's a really big show and they always do theaters out in la and what's amazing about these guys is they have live reads. Well, not live reads. They have reads that they pop in and post. They sell uh, the tickets for a pretty high amount of money to come in and watch them. And they take donations. So you want to talk about monetization like they got it down. Yeah, that is dipping into a few <laughs> different cups. And, you know, we're, we're totally screwing up what Dvorak always says to do, which is Sir Matthew in the troll room wants to know who we're talking to. It is Sir Carl with a K. From Rochester, host of Who Are These Podcasts, The Creep Off, and a band called The Isotope. So big Simpson fans, right? Oh, definitely. That's where we, that's where we got the uh, the name the, the Isotopes from, and then we morphed that into pretending that we're scientists. <laughs> How do you pretend you're scientists as a band? We dress up like scientists. Uh, all of our songs have scientific names to them. And we've actually had people, because we, we play it up, we've had people come up to us and ask us what areas we've studied and things like that. <laughs> I can't last very long in those conversations. When an actual <laughs> find out real quick. So have you ever had yeah. somebody come up and be like, well, you know, I've been studying this, this, and this. What do you think? Totally. Yes. And they find out very quickly. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, well, you know, the water cycle exists because... <laughs> that that's when that's when you just play a sick riff and disappear in a cloud of smoke that lead uh that that sounds like maybe something that would happen in a cartoon ryan i don't know that oh. <laughs> ryan's life is I, a cartoon I, I don't know. <laughs> apparently I've never, a, I've never been a musician i i don't know how this stuff works fair enough that's the way to do it and you know whatever hey you know and if you can if you can double dip while you're doing it now are the people are they, are they disappointed when they kind of bring up the actual science and they're like oh you're just- yeah yeah because they realize that they're idiots and that's the funny thing too it's like these are the most learned people who aren't in on the jokes like it's very obvious that we're not actually scientists but oh well it's always fun yes but the goggles do nothing it's like being Devo. i mean come on we are not men we are devo right people can't be okay if they if you're not you know, falling for the get you're you know for the bit you're if you're not in on it, then you're probably falling for it. But I I enjoy a good gimmick band, you know. I, just like how I think WATP is as successful as we are because of our format, not as, not necessarily because of me. I think that in the isotopes, which is an instrumental rock, because of you. 
Well, it's in the format more so, but the, the isotopes, which is instrumental rock band, which who the hell cares about instrumental rock? We play like surf music and stuff, but we've been pretty successful around town. We have dancing girls that helps, but we've been pretty successful because it is so gimmicky and, and ridiculous. We, we go over the top with it. So I always find that to be fun. And, and I do see, I really, what I have to explain right here, Carl, and I'm sorry for having to do this, but what Carl was doing there by saying was the format, not him. That was called being humble, Ryan. I know this is not a concept. I don't understand. That you're right. You're not familiar <laughs> with this. Um, it's called being humble. You can Google that. Well, no, whatever. I'm confused. I honestly, I honestly believe that because I've had Dick Masterson on my show, which was a huge deal for me. I'm a big fan of his. And I, I went on his show and I didn't even ask him. He just goes, would you ever have guests? Can I come on your show? I was like, yeah, that, that'd be amazing. And I listened back to the episode with Dick Masterson. I was like, oh, this show is way way funnier when dick masterson is my co-host it's like if this guy had figured out the format he would have gone way further with it than i have but it's cool we do crossover episodes i think we're doing one next week with them so we we have uh, behind the paywall on each of our patreons we do uh crossover bonus shows he would definitely be a guy i'd like to talk about the whole deep platforming stuff because he, he seems oh, yeah. to know what's going on and it's it's as i said i think it's only going to keep getting worse moving on with all of these things now um you know even the, the what you use to record this stuff we use clean feed which is you know kind of an under the radar type service that we've really enjoyed using a lot of people use skype and we know skype has issues a lot of people use zoom and there's been so many stories now with the well there were two tech stories this week one which was zoom admitted to shutting down activists that were do, talking about the Tiananmen Square thing because the Chinese government asked, and it's like I don't understand. Is Zoom somehow Chinese? Um, why they would is give- Zoom Chinese? I, th- I think I heard that. I haven't looked into it. They may be because the other story was some of their calls were accidentally routed through China. So yeah, just understand that when you're using this service, you yeah. might be going from Chicago to Rochester, but damn it, we're gonna route it through you know China because yeah, somebody's got to listen. And, and in. They're 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 not publicly Chinese. They're Silicon Valley, which is. Almost the same. the same thing. Yeah. Dick Masterson would be an interesting guy to talk to. I know he's one of the guys who received an offer from Spotify and said, fuck you. I don't want to be censored. So I do appreciate that yeah, attitude. I, I, I'm totally willing to take, you know, I mean, not that I'm getting offers from Spotify, but uh, I would be willing to take their money. Just, I, I'm not going to censor. And, and maybe that's why I'll never be big, but it's. Well, I see podcasts. I don't see. Now, and you can let me know if you think I'm wrong on this, but I've never kind of seen a podcast that people are like, you know, if they just cut out the swearing or if they just cut out the, you know, a couple little dangerous bits, they'd be really big. I've never heard that. I don't think this is really a bar (laughs) for in podcasts where I mean, in radio, it used to be because you couldn't be on the radio. So you couldn't have the audience when guys go into the podcasting thing, even guys that never swore like Jonathan Brandmeier was way successful at what he did throughout his career. Now that he's dipping his toe into podcasting, he lets the occasional obscenity fly. And that doesn't change the show. Now, if somebody's really offended, I guess, by the profanity, you might lose those people. But what percentage of the world is that at this point? They're like, oh, somebody said the F uh-huh. word. It's it's the only ones allowed to talk right now are the ones who are offended. <laughs> well, everybody's offended, right? That that's what I like about uh, Drew and Mike, the show that I went on out of Detroit 
And Drew Lane is a fantastic radio host who, you know, just like everyone else, there's no more money in radio. So switched over to podcasting and has been wildly successful. It still sounds like a radio show, but yeah, the little occasional F-bomb fly, it's like, it's just real. You don't have to worry about the FCC and you could just have a normal conversation. Although it was very funny back in the day with Howard Stern and, and even Opie and Anthony when they had to make up words in order to get around right. swearing and talking about certain concepts that, you know, obviously the audience was all in on, but would pass the mustard if uh, there was ever a right. complaint with the FCC. That was fun. Which is what we talked about when it came down to things like the N word. And I say that because I know Sir Bemrose hates that word. Screw you. Censors, but <laughs> you know, if you see you, Darren, what doesn't make sense then if you decide that your version of of the N word is pumpernickel. And when somebody says pumpernickel, it's like, well, what are you going to do? You can't censor every word. So censoring any word doesn't make sense. It it goes beyond just you coming up with your own version. Like if, if I say pumpernickel and that's what I mean, it it can be, it can be a little bit of code that's shared between me and the people that I follow, which actually becomes part of the culture. The, the All right. I'm, the I'm hearing some, I'm hearing some dog whistles to the far right right now. I got to go <laughs> abort, abort. About the far right in Seattle, do they exist? <laughs> By the way, Ryan, tell me if the, I'm right about this. I've been to Seattle a couple of times, and my biggest complaint about Seattle—it's a beautiful place, very cool city. My biggest complaint about it is that people who live there won't shut the fuck up about how amazing it is. Like, all right, <laughs> we get it, we um, get it. You have Microsoft. I, I just like you to know that it is amazing to live here. Oh, uh, actually, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's raining right now. Hey, Bill O'Reilly said his favorite restaurant yesterday in his broadcast, his favorite restaurant is in Seattle, someplace, something off the docks or something. Great seafood. Well, I I, I love I like the climate a lot. I like the geography a lot. I hate the people at this point. (laughs) Um, I I don't know on on par if that's amazing or not, but it's it's what I know. And more importantly, it's it's where, you know, my my money comes from being able to drive into. Well, normally to drive into an office around here now it's everything's from home so um i did go to a seahawks game when i was there and oh, uh I bet it was lost. no no this was a few years ago they won and uh it was raining in case you were wondering okay yeah yes and we, and we have the open air stadiums because we deserve that everybody we, we feel that everybody is entitled to experience our rain yes well, and what do you think, since we're talking about Seattle, the whole thing with Starbucks now saying that their employees can't wear Black Lives Matter, any, you know, any symbols of Black Lives Matter. Does that not seem like the most anti-woke thing from the most woke company? I'm I'm confused by this. Is there a reason? Anybody have any thoughts on why this is happening now? Starbucks, who's always all in on the LGBTQ stuff. They're always in. If you, if you have a cause of the week, Starbucks is usually fine. With their baristas wearing the ribbons and the pins. Starbucks was the company that had to shut down every single store to teach people not to be racist. <laughs> Did it work? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. They're like, they, they must have lost billions of dollars for closing out for six hours one day to lecture the staff about not being racist, which I'm sure was a, a perfect exercise that helped everybody out. I didn't hear about the story. I apologize. I'm, I'm unprepared to comment on this. That does not sound Starbucks-like. No, I agree. And I don't know, maybe I'm like, well, okay, you, do you want to get looted? Maybe this is like an insurance thing, because this to me would be like <laughs> if people are going to be burning and looting. Now you might be on the uh, 
you might be on the short list, like Target. That's a good angle. You know, that's maybe. a good angle. I like it. Like we need to close some of these stores that aren't doing really successful in these areas. Uh, so uh, make it clear we don't want people to to wear these. Although it would now in a rational world, and like you said, you own a company. In a rational world, it makes sense to tell your employees don't be political at all. Do not acknowledge either side. We're here to sell widgets. We're here to sell coffee. We don't need to be political because 50% are on one side, 50% are on the other side. And if you pick one of those sides, you're going to lose a lot of business. But, uh, you know, usually Starbucks is all in on this stuff. So it's a little bit. uh, Yeah, I had an employee ask if we were going to put out an official statement um you know after the obvious uh, tensions with uh, racial issues that are going on in the country and i said if the topic of conversation was search engine optimization i would certainly have an opinion on that but race relations and institutional racism i am not an expert in those areas so i will not be saying anything you know we we do digital marketing it, that's 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 our, our also, lane right not it also has signaling. almost nothing to do with with your core business no, obviously nothing to do with it. Uh, well, I mean, that doesn't stop I, like, anybody else. I, well, Seattle, Seattle is, is, you asked about that is, is kind of, it's got its own milieu. So there, there's a number of really big companies, uh, Starbucks and Amazon come to mind, uh, where the people who run the company are marinating in the, the Seattle culture the whole time. And it's, it's very, very woke and leftist and fluid, and uh, it, it it very much aligns with well, what what we're seeing today is is the only thing not being censored. Uh, to the point where uh, the the thing that kind of blew me away in in terms of just being unaware was Jeff Bezos the other day, who. I, I don't know if you've been to Amazon in the last few days, but uh, every single page on Amazon, like half the page is taken up by a giant black rectangle that says we at Amazon stand with black people. And uh, some people complained publicly about that. And Jeff Bezos came out and said, uh, if if you are the kind of person who doesn't think that we should be saying this, then then you're racist and you're the customer we want to lose. And <coughs> I, I, I don't, the, the amount of unawareness of, of this is not a cause that everybody in the country even cares to think about. And it's not important enough. I, I understand that you think it's important and now I'm going to be labeled a racist and, and deplatformed for just saying that it's not that important. But honestly, there are a lot of things in human experience and whether or not you know, Amazon decides to go out and show their leftist racism is not something that most people really want to think about. So dropping it in their face is the kind of thing that, well, it's the kind of thing that a lesser company would lose money over. But frankly, Amazon is a monopoly and uh, the, the lockdown pretty much put out of business the remaining competition that they had. So frankly, I have, Bezos I have good news. I have good news for you, Ryan. You have to have a platform in order to be deplatformed. So you are safe, my friend. <laughs> oh, good, good. You are so far so, under the radar. As long as know. nobody notices us, I can't. <laughs> did you see? Did you see that uh, the EU is looking at uh, antitrust charges on Amazon because Amazon was scooping up the data from third-party sellers and then using it to compete against them and yes. push them out. And they are definitely guilty of this. They're oh, yeah. 
The U.S. is going to go after them, too. They have that, to. That well, was yeah. their entire affiliate program throughout yep. the, the first decade of this century. Yeah. Well, they can <laughs> see what's obviously they can see what's selling. And, yep. you know, if the I mean, Amazon, what aren't they into even the to to the minutia of I mean, we bought their brand of coffee. So I know I'm part of the problem. My mom needed some of the little things that go on the bottom of Swiffers, you know, just the little mm-hmm. basically glorified paper towel. Well, Amazon has their own brand of that. And it was like a third the cost. Of- so this is my question, though. We have this store called Wegmans. Uh, it originated in Rochester. It's it's spread out throughout the Northeast now. It's our grocery store. We all love it. We all swear by it. Wegmans can do no wrong. Wegmans has decided to discontinue a lot of the brands they used to carry. And now you can buy the Wegmans brand of it instead. How is what Amazon's doing anything different? They're looking at what sells. Right. Like, oh, people like hot dogs. We should have our own hot dog. We'll make more margin on it. Like Wegmans is doing the same thing. So why is Amazon a monopoly for doing that? I'm, I'm not sure what the rule is there. No, well, I agree. Amazon is a monopoly because they have no competition. Well, they do. I, agree. I mean, they <laughs> and, don't have and, a lot and, of competition, but Best Buy, I mean, I don't know how the COVID thing has changed, but Best Buy was flailing away. I mean, I worked at Circuit City back in the time when Best Buy and uh, Circuit City were the two big Humble companies. Humble brag. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's, that is a quite humble. We worked for Radio Shack, too. So, I mean, go, you know, go figure that. Uh, the Best Buy was really doing poorly trying to compete with Amazon until they finally got with the program and decided they would price match Amazon. And then they actually start making money again. Because people well, don't it, want to spend more money than they have to. I don't know. Is this like, uh, is this something people don't know when you're working with them as far as marketing, Carl, that if your co- competitor down the street is selling the same product for less, you're probably going to lose business. Is that a surprise? I mean, what people would do is they'd walk into Best Buy to see what they wanted and then open their phone up and see how much it costs on Amazon. They were pretty much shopping on Amazon in Best Buy. Right. Yeah. Best Buy became their showroom. Yeah, well, for a while, right. I tell you what, cell signals. If 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 it takes if you know if if I want something, I I don't tell me that Amazon has competition because if I want something and I order it, it can be here in two hours from Amazon without me having to leave my house. And if I do the same thing from Walmart, it takes three hours. And (laughs) there you go, there you go, Ryan. Look at you. Oh my God, the white privilege with this guy. I don't know. Darren and I, neither of us saw that one coming. Well done, buddy. I, I, so I don't, I don't know that that is a monopoly to have your own products. I mean, using the data, maybe there's something nefarious there. I know that they were in front of Congress saying that they didn't do that and that it was against their policies. So the fact that they do do that is not surprising. Of course you would do that. How would you not do that? Yeah. But I don't know what they're going to nail them on it. I think Google's really the monopoly that we should be going after. They're, they're the problem. Alphabet's the problem. Oh, I agree. And that's where, I, I where so many agree. Yeah. Yeah. And where people are going uh, with the advertising dollar. I mean, Google has a ton of it. Facebook has a ton of it. And uh, I mean, it's interesting. Well, you know, if you run into this, I don't know what size companies overall you deal with with the digital marketing. But I know a lot of people that own restaurants and floor covering stores. And the basic mentality is still, well, you know, I, I can have a Twitter account and an Instagram and I can just post stuff. I don't really need to spend money on ads. And then they wonder why nobody walks in the door. Is, right. Is there a, when people hear social you know, media marketing, 
do they really think that you could post a couple pictures or a couple posts a day and be successful? Um, you know, what is the average company now? Now, because of this COVID, what are you recommending to people as far as getting exposure, as far as getting their businesses back up if they've been closed? You know, what's the what are the way people are trying to get uh, people back in the doors again? Social media is entirely pay to play. If you are a business and you post something, even if you have tons of followers, you're lucky if 2% of them actually see it in their newsfeed. They purposely suppress that. So you have to put money behind it in order to get it out to them. Now, the good news is it's not that expensive compared to other types of advertising. There's no, tons of targeting Russians, capabilities. What's that? I hear the Russians bought an election for only $100,000. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's all it takes. And you can, all right. So, yeah, I, I, it, what's been great for some of our clients is that because all of these mom and pop businesses were forced to close down, the advertising got really cheap. There were fewer people buying advertising. And with everyone sitting at home, there's a lot more inventory available. So we actually took advantage of uh, of using social networks for a lot of our clients. But yeah, honestly, it's all pay to play now. Even Google, I think, is making a lot of weird moves with how they display their search results. When I say weird, I mean, they're, they're just trying to increase their revenue. Right. But at some point, when does somebody create a search engine that can compete with Google and not force so many ads on people? You got to you got to think it would happen eventually. I, I don't know if DuckDuckGo is the answer. We got to think someone can do it. Well, well may, maybe yeah. StartPage, which which is the Google search engine reskin to remove all of the ads. But the problem, it's the right. same results, which is the, you know, besides the, when you're looking at the advertising side, you're absolutely right. But when you're looking at the results, again, if the overlords at Google decide that who are these podcasts, well, they should not get any kind of publicity when they decide to take when people even do a search for you, you don't show up. Well, then, yeah, reskinning Google certainly isn't going to help. You mean correct? The, the utopia is having a search engine that is honest and makes money somehow that doesn't screw with the people that are using their service. And that's not easy. Well, I don't think people realize Google definitely owns the search engine. It's like 92% of people use Google, even though if you buy a new computer out of the box, it goes to Bing, right? People are like, screw this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not using that. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's using Google. Yeah. God. It's like internet Explorer was the number one browser for years for downloading Chrome. Right. Right. But I don't think people people realize the monopoly they have on advertising. I saw a stat 25 cents of every dollar in the world for advertising goes to Google. Wow. That's unbelievable. When you think about how many outlets there are that their business model is advertising revenue and Google's getting a quarter of it across the world. And the, the reason why is that, yeah, the search engine, a big part of that. They also own the largest video platform in YouTube. They also own the largest ad exchange. And I don't know if people are familiar with this, maybe on grumpy old Ben's they are, but you know, Adam Curry's a little bit out of it when he talks about how digital advertising works. He, he did it in the nineties and now he thinks it's, it's very different now. There are no ad networks anymore, Adam. So what's happening now is there's a free exchange of inventory, just like the stock exchange where robots are buying and selling ad space with one another. And Google has the largest one and is making a cut of every transaction that happens. They also own the largest DSP, and this is the platform that actually does the programmatic buying, so they're getting a cut on it that way, too. 
They also have the largest ad server. So when you serve the ad, the software that actually serves the ad, they're charging a fee for that. So if you think about just showing, then there's AdSense, and then you think about they're just showing a single ad on a screen, they're making percentages of those dollars in four or five different ways. Talk about double, triple, and quadruple dipping. It's it's unbelievable they're allowed to get away with this. And at the same time, they also have the most used browsers. They have all of the data and everything that's happening. They have the the biggest uh, website analytics tool in Google Analytics. So they're able to track what everybody's doing and and how they're doing it. And we didn't get into like Android. It's I I can't figure out and why I can figure out because of lobbyists because of the power they have. But how is this not a monopoly? And I'm going to get shut down for saying this, but how is this not a monopoly? How are we not breaking up Alphabet? What are we doing? This is crazy. Well, yeah, uh, it, it, it is a monopoly and, and you won't get shut down for saying it because as you already pointed out, uh, this is a nobody show that nobody listens to. So. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. <laughs> which, which gives us the advantage that you can say anything that you want. You can say what you really think on this show and you know that nobody's going to hear it. So you won't have, face any repercussions. Well, you're really leaning into that, aren't you? Here's I know, I'm to help. He, 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 hey, he finds something. He's like a dog with a bone. We did a show on copyright and he pulled yep. a five year time limit out of his ass and then stuck with it for the whole two hours with nothing behind it. It's just what he does. But Google, they're the big you, mother. Hold on, Darren. I think you guys need to work on your relationship. <laughs> I'm sensing a lot of tension going on there's right now. Lot, there's just so much hostility. The, yeah. uh, you know, Google, though, with already you, having all you of this see information. Him in the troll room. Can you believe this this whole thing with the lawsuit now with them actually taking your data, even in incognito mode, even after the big thing that popped up on the screen, which is, oh, when in this mode, all of your browsing is private. It turns out not so much. Yeah, no shit. Like <laughs> We're that, surprised by that. I no, I am not surprised by that. My wife must be listening. She just texted me that Starbucks has backed off their Black Lives Matter. So that lasted like a day. So they're all okay. in, I guess, on the Black Lives Matter thing. But. When it comes to advertising, then for like a small business is Facebook, just me guessing here. Facebook is probably the better way to go if you have something that you can buy into the the keyword or whatever, because my, my buddy runs an Italian restaurant up in a little suburb here in the Chicagoland area, and he knows there is one restaurant that's his main competition. So it makes sense in that aspect. Anybody that's like that other restaurant, you should probably be spending money. And focusing on them, because that's the thing with advertising now. It's not go buy a $6,000 quarter page in a newspaper as much as and, and go the spray and pray route and just hit everybody that's buying the newspaper. Targeted is what is actually as evil as it is. That's what's working, right? Not only targeted to the each user, which is very different with digital advertising. That's the difference between that and mass media and the way advertising always used to work was there was a bunch of waste. You just paid for all of the eyeballs, whether you wanted those eyeballs or not. And that was the price. Now we go in and we say, I only want to reach people in this tiny area, maybe this zip code over here, who live around this Italian restaurant. I only want to run at 11 a.m. to 12.30 with a lunch promotion ad and then from 4 to 6 with a dinner promotion ad to people who have kids who are between the ages of five and 15, like you, you put in all of these parameters and it makes from my perspective, from a digital marketer's perspective, it's fantastic. What we can do I, for I, our for clients. It's so cost-effective. I've got truly frightened that these networks even have that much information about <laughs> me. If, if they can, 
lump me into that many demographic groups. Well, people willingly give it up, which I don't think a lot of people still understand on Facebook. If you like a band, if you like Bruce Springsteen, what that is being used for is not to put you with other Bruce Springsteen fans. It is so somebody can take an ad and go, you know what I'm looking for? uh, Springsteen fans who like the White Sox, who also eat pizza. No, I actually, I, I use Facebook and Instagram advertising to promote my band's shows. And I find people who like bands that are similar to mine. And those are the people who get the ads. And it, does it work? Have you, do you actually notice a, a jump in anything? Yeah, because what we'll do is we'll set up an event page and we can see, you know, from the analytics, exactly how many people responded to an ad and RSVP'd, whether they show up or not. I don't know, but they said they were going to and all their friends saw that. So it's helpful. You know, I do have to ask Ryan a question because, I mean, he told you that I hate your show, which wasn't true, but I have to. What is your opinion of marketing, Ryan? Um, I'm generally uh, 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 it, it, it's all right. <laughs> all marketing is evil, <laughs> I believe, is your normal go to. I just wanted to just wanted no, to put that no, out. There. All marketing, all marketing is psychological manipulation. When done right, right. <laughs> well, it's not all of it. Is some of it sucks, right? Yeah, if nobody, bought. it's either ineffective or it's psychological manipulation, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, and, and I don't personally like being manipulated, so I've decided. Uh, I mean, you know, marketing is there's so many forms, and some of it is is very good and valid. For example, uh, word of mouth, which is one of the the oldest forms, also still one of the most effective and and authentic ones, is totally fine. Uh, I, I personally decided to, I, I want to cut advertising out of my life. So I run a pie hole and ad blocker. I don't, you know, I don't look at billboards, which is a little dicey when I'm on the freeway, but you know, we get through it. Uh, <laughs> Close your eyes. I, I like that. You said there are some forms of marketing that are valid. <laughs> what do you, do you want to explain that? What do you mean by that? <laughs> yes, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't I be picking on you. person. I should be picking on you. You're the one who invited me on the show. So thank you for having me. You you should. I I wouldn't be. It's what Darren does. I wouldn't be used to it otherwise. Right. Uh, True. (laughs) uh, No, valid might not be the right word, but uh, I I, um, personally am not a huge fan of uh, of most pay to play models. Well, I understand that that it's the world we live in, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. I'll, I'll tell you this. One of the things that been my focus and our agency's focus in marketing is trying to do more inbound marketing and content marketing. And the idea here is not so much intrusive advertising and, hey, you got to check out this new new cool thing you're really going to want, but to be there when someone's researching stuff because marketing is not evil, it's essential. In order for businesses to survive and capitalism to, to work, marketing is an essential part of that. So if you're into free markets and capitalism, marketing is a huge part of it. I, I would I would correct that and say access to uh, the appropriate level of information is necessary. Right. So and, and marketing is is the way that information gets out to people trying to make buying decisions. So rather than think of marketing as, oh, well, they're going to make claims that are false in order to trick people into buying, which I think is what a lot of people think marketing is. No, it's more so I have I have this great service that I have. You need said service and I want to connect with you when you need that service. So we try to we do a lot of search engine optimization and a lot of content marketing yeah. in order to make sure that we show up when someone's looking for the very thing that they, that, you know, that company provides. Yeah. And, and, and ethically, I think that there is a world of difference between the uh, 
here here is the availability of my product and the information that you that you want about it and and providing that information at the point when somebody might be making a decision the, the difference between that and the type of marketing which is the one that gives you know, that gives it a bad name which is the psychological manipulation the the putting it up you know putting up a a billboard with a steaming cup of coffee on it saying you need to stop at Starbucks or you know that that's manipulation that that propaganda I, maybe that's it maybe maybe the overlap of marketing and propaganda is where uh, I, I get my rant on all right fair enough whatever drives people right <laughs> whatever gets them to buy <laughs> right whatever. well i mean I, I do a podcast where i have to rant so i gotta come up with something right sure well when it comes to <laughs> i mean the the uh there are some people that hate advertising like ryan and then you realize that the internet everything is built upon advertising and you know i mean okay some people are ignorant to the fact that google is scraping their data if they have a gmail account and if they're ignorant to that fact i kind of feel bad for them but most of the people that are aware of that still go well free gmail or should i go pay somebody like uh um you know whatever the what's the one big proton mail you know i can go pay proton mail five or ten bucks a month or i could just go with the free gmail and there's a lot of people that are willing to go with the free Gmail. And I've seen, and I granted, I understand that polls can be very skewed, but it seems that a majority of people when asked, well, would you rather have a random ad served to you or one that might actually be helpful? A majority of the people say they'd rather see it be helpful. I mean, Ryan would argue that they're not being given the choice. Don't show me any ads at all, but then they would have to spend money. So we're back to square one. And most people seem to be okay with the way this concept's going. And by the way, Ryan, nobody likes advertising and I don't like advertising. Nobody, when you poll people and you ask them about advertising, they all hate it. They would all opt to not have advertising. It's why DVRs took off. It's why Netflix is so popular. People are not excited about advertising per se, but if you weren't about like, I have a a sweet DJI drone that I like to fly around and I learned about it from a targeted ad that knew that I would enjoy that sort of thing. And I'm glad that it found me because it's a really cool drone that can do some pretty cool stuff. So what you're saying is that when I say I hate advertising, I'm not being nearly as edgy as, as I think. (laughs) Right. Right. No, (laughs) I do advertising for a living and I'm not a fan of it either. I fast forward through the commercials too. Well, where people start getting freaked out, and we talked about this on one of the early, early, early grumpy old Ben's was when people started figuring out that just by your Android phone sitting on the desk, if you would just randomly come up with the word. So I might just start saying Acapulco for a week. And all of a sudden you start getting ads for a vacation to Acapulco. That's, I think, where people start getting a little freaked out. Even people in my agency, we were ta- we had this random conversation where we brought up Windex a couple of times, and two of the guys went home and said they saw a Windex ad in their Instagram feed. Like, I have never searched for Windex. I don't care about Windex. We were just having a conversation in somebody's office, and I, that, that's a little, uh, sc- I guess, scary. I don't know. I find it fascinating. I think that you could do that. Both. I find it creepy. It, it is yeah. from a technical. I, I can separate the the ethical concerns of you know the the the, the skin crawling effect from the fact that technically speaking, the just like what kind of technology is behind this is absolutely fascinating. Like what what do they have to do in order to collect all of that and then parse it in a machine learning algorithm and then you know build a big database of keywords and I. I got to admit, if, if somebody paid me, I, I'd work on that because it would be amazing technology. 
Uh, well, Darren, I think I heard you talking about the fact that you have an Alexa in your home. Yes. Well, Ryan does too, but it's in his you wife's room. Yeah. In her, <laughs> okay. in it's also unplugged whenever I remember to go in and unplug it. <laughs> Yeah, those things creep me out. I would never have voice activated things in my my. Oh, well, I guess I do. I mean, I'm sure my TV has it, and my computers do, and my phone, and everything else. But that just seems like a, a weird thing to put into your house. And the microphone right in front of you, right? Yeah, the, it's right. True. The microphone in front of you, and the cell phone, and uh, you know, I, I just figure I spew all the crazy stuff. Uh, not in the privacy of my home. I do it on a podcast anyway, so they already have heard it. So. Uh, you know, if somebody really wants to hack that system or if the government wants to use it, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting when you go back to things like, you know, Al Capone and when you would see these, um, you know, the movies or read books and how they would, you know, have to really work hard to get a bug placed in somebody's location. Now that's just there. Audio, video. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, yeah. Darren's a little bit of an outlier, though. He he does about thirty-seven live podcasts a week, so he's already the modern version of Justin.tv. Kind of. We do the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show because Void had to go off and you know get married, have more kids, and do all that stuff. So it's that's been a lot of fun. You know, that's four hours a week. Then Grumpy Old Ben's at least two, and now this is our second Grumpy Old Ben's this week. We did a bonus episode Monday, so that's what eight hours, and then random thoughts. Although I don't do that live. Uh, it adds up. It definitely adds up after a while. And it's, uh, you know, if, if they haven't heard it in the podcast, they're not going to hear it. You know, you're not going to hear anything new by listening in on the election. You do have to be careful, though, because it will hear. That's the one thing with this technology that surprised even me from a tech aspect, uh, especially I got a one of these devices from Klipsch. Really nice speaker. They sell them without the Google Home. They sent me one to review with the Google Home thing built into it. And you can speak in a normal voice about three rooms over and it will pick it up. So I don't know what kind of microphones are in these things and how the gain works and how it can actually, even from that far away, understand what you're saying. But to me, that's still the most interesting thing about the tech is that microphones, they're down with those. There, there's no doubt about it. So if you have a little one of those devices around, they can hear everything. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to stop trying to overthrow the government from my uh, basement. No, I mean, you're too nice. Yeah, I, you're too nice, Carl. I mean, one of the episodes <laughs> I did here was when Larry uh, uh, pimped the uh, Cripple Jesus show and you took a uh, and he was on the show with you, which I thought was just absolutely genius. And I could tell you wanted to be way meaner. You wanted to go into your full WATP mode, but he was such a nice guy that you were like, I, I don't really it was, you know, you didn't want to, you didn't want to rip into him. Who's that crippled Jesus? Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he was on the show or he tried to get on the show the other day and I told him that his microphone works as well as his legs. Oh. And I felt, I felt a little bit bad about that, but he has a great sense of humor about it. So yeah, it's all that's good. hilarious. And, and uh, crippled Jesus in particular. Um, I, I think a lot of people are, are, are kind of hold back like, Oh, I, you know, I don't want to offend you. But, um, if you listen to him talk, yeah. he, he does it to himself worse than anything that you or I could do. Well, and he's, and he's loving and he's loving life. And I got to tell you, yeah. it, we can all learn from a guy like crippled Jesus who has every right to be offended and complain and be pissed at people. But all he does is add, he, he, he enjoys life so much. And every time he comes out, he's like, Carl, I want to come on and do the show or he goes on Dick show or something. And he's just a delight. 
You know, it's just always fun to talk to them. It's like, wow, there's a lot of people who have a lot more privilege. That's a big word these days. A lot more privilege than crippled Jesus who are miserable and they, they could learn from that. So if I may go back to marketing for a moment, how much do yeah. you get paid for that crippled Jesus native ad right there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, I brought uh, it up. and I, if, I'll, so, I'll um, invoice him. Right. <laughs> well, good. Let's just cut me in. Don't give any to Ryan, though. Sounds he, good. He just poo-poos on everything, man. I don't know. He, he's so negative. I, I just... Yeah, Ryan, have you ever heard of yes anding? Are you familiar with this concept? <laughs> I don't understand. He's yeah. no and obviously no, yeah. no but yes. I, I I I unlike some co-hosts, I have never been in front of a crowd with a microphone wearing a stuttering John t-shirt. So I don't know. <laughs> Good point. But one thing I did want to ask you about, Carl, you said that you actually had a co-host that you got rid of. I mean, we, we need to talk about how you can how you can make sure make, that, make that happen? Uh, yeah, is there a- yeah, kicked him, kicked him right out of Rochester. <laughs> wow, you even got him out of the city. That's that's hardcore. He's in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, well, as far out of Rochester as you can get. That is that is actually hitting the high road and running. <laughs> well, he moved to Seattle first, which which is uh, why I went to Seattle a couple what? times to visit him. But uh, I, I think it rains I, a lot I, less I, now. Congratulations for getting out then. Nice, nice yeah. job, Kevin. I'm work, I'm trying to follow. <laughs> yeah, why are you in Seattle now that you don't work for Big Bad, big, bad well, I, Microsoft? Because, because I've been here longer than most of these snowflakes, Yeah, and they need to get out of my city. <laughs> oh, well, you do have guns. You can take up arms, and there's like a bunch of people now. And really, I thought that no. was what the left was the most afraid of, was young white guys with AR-15s, and now they're what's patrolling this BLM uh, compound. I, it, Honestly, I think that my favorite thing about it is that the, the first thing that they did when they created their own communist utopia was built set up. Uh, yeah, they built a wall and they set up an immigration checkpoint with armed border guards. Right. So they have <laughs> police and they have a wall, but they're totally different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd love to be able to point out the hypocrisy, but I think it would be lost on these people. Oh, there's no doubt. I, that's OK. I, I, I don't do it for their benefit. I point it out for my own. Of course. I mean, that's really how any anything worth talking about is because it interests or entertains me. I, I, I've i given up on trying to change people's minds on the Internet. That's a futile effort if ever I've heard it one. Sure, it sure is. It sure is. Sir Candinavian says Sir Bemrose in Seattle predates grunge. Wow. That's a, that is you're old. That, that is true. That what is was true. Seattle before there was grunge? It was nothing. Uh, it, it was it was Boeing and it was the timber industry. So nice, boring, <laughs> boring, but livable. And, then, and, and right. Boeing, you know, I was talking about companies that that are marinating in the Seattle milieu. Boeing started in Seattle and somewhere along the line went. You know, we we can't handle this. This is changing too much. So they got up and moved their headquarters. Now they, they moved it to Chicago. So I don't know if that was an improvement or not, but. But they moved. They were like, "Wait, no, we're we're done here. We have more mm-hmm. murders. There is yeah, that, but, but they but still build the planes out like, by you. A, a lot of them. I mean, they I mean, don't build Boeing them in Chicago. Now has Boeing now has uh, plants in Arizona, South Carolina. I mean, they've been moving a lot of operations out. They the seven eighty seven Dreamliner is still built uh, only a couple miles from here, so we still see those go overhead. It's it's kind of funny watching a a, a big jumbo commercial jet go over with no markings whatsoever and most places in the country you'd think that was maybe some some kind of uh 
you know, CIA or government, but no, it's just that they haven't painted it yet. Right. Or it could be CIA and government there. Fletcher from the hog story podcast is suggesting in the troll room that we replace Sir Bemrose with Carl with a K. So, I mean, Carl, you're already gaining traction with the grump, grumpy old Ben's audience. Okay. I'm, I'm starting to regret inviting <laughs> hey, this invitation to the show now. I don't know if I like where this conversation is going. Yes, you do. Well, you, you lost your job. So what? It happens. Right. It's happening to hey, everybody well, okay. these days. <laughs> You know what? That's actually fine. Because if if uh, Carl is going to replace me on Grumpy Old Ben's, can I have your old spot on WATP? It's his show. He doesn't have to give up his spot there. <laughs> People do more than one show, believe it or not. You know, Ryan, I said that the secret to that show was the format, but actually it's it's me running the show. So no, you, you <laughs> definitely cannot do that job. <laughs> yeah, he's right. The format's nothing. You, you give it to hey, Ryan. Hey, Carl, and- have you ever heard of Yes Anding? <laughs> <laughs> no, my but- bad. <laughs> see, see here's the problem right you would actually have to get clips for that show and it would die episode one. Oh, <laughs> you're right actually you know what let me let me walk that back uh it sounds like work <laughs> right all right so we've been on for a couple hours i want to ask your guys opinion and i know i haven't done much to make this happen but I'm there's a lot of people in the no agenda to give my opinion yeah, right. There's a lot of people in the No Agenda stream who hate who are these podcasts, and I appreciate that you still put it in the stream anyway. Do you think I've won over any hearts and minds today? Well, you can ask the troll room themselves. Okay, what do you think? Is this uh, any change? Are, is hearts? there any? If anybody yeah, doesn't like the show, any who are these podcast people uh, that don't like the show? Have you? Have you has Carl gained some traction today? I mean, I, I said, realized. WATP is very obnoxious compared to the conversation we just had, but maybe I've won over somebody. Well, which is that, you know, that well, to I, me is with the genre type thing is a big deal because it's you have to be in the mood for whatever you're listening to. So if you're yes. coming into the no agenda stream and you think you're going to get current events and stuff like that and you get WATP, you're like, oh, I don't really want this. Now, if you come for WATP. And you get me waxing poetic on random thoughts. You might be like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to hear this. I want to hear somebody rip into a podcast. So it, it really, the mixing of genres is is kind of and a weird thing. I will point out that JCD has said multiple times that he wanted to do a show with this same format. So it does seem to fit in with the no agenda. I don't know. Crew or no agenda Hosts? theme. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. At least the host. I think. I think John could be a fabulous guest on WTP. I think we should push for that. We have you. He would be amazing. You haven't had John on. I have not. Well, you know, after this whole Adam with the Rogan thing, he might want to make a little bit of a so some oats of his own there. Oh, that's a good idea. John would never admit it, but you can tell that he is delightfully jealous of Adam for making it on Rogan, and and I think putting it John on a show as big as WTP might be the the payback he needs. Your level of sarcasm is disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Isn't and there's it? the cold open. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is it's so true, is so accurate. Ugh. Sometimes it's hard to tell if it's actually sarcasm or not. But it's uh, very difficult. But I I could tell by the content of that one. You know, JCD has that acid wit that, if left unchecked, now if you really had him on a show. And I don't know if he would, because I think he he might have that filter that he wouldn't be able to go full you know balls to the wall and be just totally ripping something. But if he did, I think he'd be really good at it. Oh, he'd be fantastic. I would I would love that. He has an open invitation to come on. Who are these podcasts and make fun of podcasts with me anytime? 
you, you know that Grumpy Old Ben's is is loosely patterned on a show called Cranky Geeks that, yes. that John used to do. Yep. <laughs> and it was very actually, show, especially I when did, he would throw the cards like David Letterman. I discovered uh, No Agenda the same way many people did uh, because of John C. Dvorak on a lot of the different shows, you know, Twit and, and a lot of those tech shows I used to listen to. Yep. That, that's how I ended up here. Well, Twit I mean, used to be good. Until, see, maybe you need to get uh, Carl uh, in touch with Leo because uh, it sounds like he's losing all of his advertisers and uh, is about to move back into his house with the studio. <laughs> I haven't listened to Twit in years. It got I so bad. To roast Twit. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I, I, think, twi- oh. I, I think Twit needs to be the, the target of one of these shows. You've that's never a good idea. done Twit? No, we oh. haven't. That's a that's a good one, though. See, now Dvorak would never come on for that one, but that would be the el- no. that would be the ultimate episode. I mean, I would do it. Dvorak wouldn't come on, but I bet he'd listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and, and refer to it fourteen times over the next two weeks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, cool. I like it. I, I think we're going to put that add that to the list. That would be a good idea. We do have a few people to thank. Speaking of a you know the donation segment and the whole value for value thing. We do have some donors this week, and we are. I think we need another Fletcher little bit of like a little jingle here because the uh, number one today, Farm Slave comes in with 3369 and said, Please descript kitty me. So we need a jingle, I think, with a screeching cat, I think, to uh, to take people from being a script kitty to a expert. And uh, Farm Slave also says, Value for value, Darren's voice, and the wonderful rants of sir bemrose he's in your area though sir bemrose because he also says fj insley and he says f he didn't spell it out so i didn't want to change the wording coming out of his mouth but farm slave we appreciate the donation and uh bemrose loves jay insley i'm sorry you mean jay fucking insley right that is that is in fact his name that's his christian name Uh, we also have expert eric vm who's already an expert comes in with 25 bucks and says quote for Ryan and his expert ranting expert, Eric Barron of the Valley. So he, he thinks you're an expert at ranting. I didn't know if that's uh, if that's what your expertise is actually in. Well, I'm good at it. Well, we are all experts here on grumpy old bins though. Well, once you donate, Just, if, if, if you need to, um, I mean, if that, that gets you credentials, right. Officially. Yeah. That, that would be good. That's uh, like, you, you've heard this, this Carl, where uh, if, if CNN and and Fox and uh, CBS can all have experts on and just cite from their for their news stories, you know, experts say that this or this or this. Uh, we've decided that here on Grumpy Old Bins, we also have experts, which means we are exactly as authoritative as those unnamed sources on the mainstream media. Makes sense. Yeah, I don't see why not. We are authoritative we also have keith von dyke who's on a ten dollar monthly subscription we really 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 appreciate that and of course harry hamster again comes in like just like every show for like the past uh five eight shows so harry hamster thank you and uh, it's almost as if there's a subscription involved there's not it's always a different amount sometimes it's once a week sometimes it's multiple times a week it doesn't He's even putting in effort. Thank you, Harry. Hamster. Yes, we appreciate that. And and just one little extra Jacob Hernandez, who gave us the donation, but we used it on Monday, but we normally don't do a Monday show. So just to mention again, thank you. And thanks to everybody who supports the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, grumpyoldbens.com. If you haven't donated, if you want to be an expert, grumpyoldbens.com. You have the little subscription button for PayPal. You have the P.O. Box address. 
And you also have the little QR code if you want to do the Bitcoin thing. Any and all is appreciated. We did get one. You know, I need to look it up. We did get a uh, another donation, but it was through one of these other. It wasn't PayPal. It was something else. So it's not on my list here, but uh, I'll find it. And we need to figure out how to uh, to get into that. It was like one of these other one of these things. I know Dvorak has talked about that people send money in with something pay or. Uh, there's there's so many different ways to get money now. Why isn't it easier? Just one one easy way. Cash. I, I personally like the the competition. To be honest, you, if if you want to get money, just make it easy for people to give you money. However, they have their money. Send me your money, Ryan. I already did. You did? I didn't get that. All all of it. All of it. Well, just yeah. you know, a percentage would be great. I I told you I'm a poor podcaster. I don't have any money anymore. Oh, so anyways, uh, Sir Carl, thank you for coming on. Uh, we we really appreciate this. This has been a lot of fun. This conversation. Is there anything? Oh, good. Want to plug? Yeah, uh, whoarethese.com to find out all the stuff that's related to who are these podcasts. You can get a link to our Discord and our subreddit and Twitter and all the places where people are enjoying the show or not enjoying the show, but discussing it actively. I I think they all enjoy it. Some of these people like me in there just just like to complain about things. Well, yeah, you, love it. You complain about everything. And the other it was $15 from Steve Edwards through Pop Money. So I need to figure out how Pop Money works. Thank you, Steve. No note attached to that one. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. So, yeah, I mean, Ryan, uh, we hope you had fun today, uh, Carl. And it was uh, interesting talking to you. I mean, I think you're a good guy. I mean, I Ryan oversold the fact that I hate your podcast. It's like, you know, I'm just not usually in the mood for that. But, you know, it's much- I, I said it in I said it in one email and it, you will not drop it. Well, it was the only like email you sent. <laughs> that, was the, that was like your selling point. Come on. You kind of you kind of throw me under the bus there, but that's OK. It worked, didn't it? I, yeah. I, I think uh, Ryan probably knows my sense of humor, so I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's well, not what I wa- was thinking of doing and then didn't because I figured it would be too mean to Ryan. I wanted to, uh, you know, kind of get with you before the show and just stage like a whole three minute or five minute argument going back and forth that would have made Ryan start squirming like, oh, shit, I should have never done this. <laughs> Can you imagine? If I come out here, it's just a gotcha interview. Right. Curl on episode 27, you said. <laughs> <laughs> now See, what at do this you have point, to say I, for yourself? At, at this point, great. I have no evidence that, that you didn't do exactly that because that it's was true. the result anyway. Well, then you also thought we set you so, up for nice this work. whole podcasting thing was he, he's still convinced this is just a long con somewhere. Sixteen, eight episodes uh, in. I, I never thought anybody would want to listen to me. Well, uh, nobody does. They listen for me and the guests yeah. when we have them. So, see, I'm, again, yet again, I'm right. Yes. Well, Darren, I want to say it's been great talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. And Sir Ryan, thank you so much for having me on the show and for reaching out. And I appreciate all the support uh, for WATP over the years. Yeah, does he actually do work over there? I mean, I know he's always in your Discord. Have you put him to work yet? No, I got to put him to work. Yes. He's, he's, he <laughs> oh, loves work. See, again, this is backfiring. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> but thanks, Carl. And again, right. whoarethese.com. And then there's the creep off. Is there another different address for that? Uh, thecreepoff.com. Yes. Well, that Thank is, you. I heard that, that, that nice it was the, thecreepoff.com. 
And if, yeah, if, that that's incorrect. That person was not right about that. And if people want to hear the isotopes, where do they go? You should have like one page. You're in marketing. Shouldn't you just have one like Carl page that has yeah, where, all this stuff? Where's the SirCarl.com? So I don't think there's a lot of spillover between who are these podcasts and the isotopes. So I don't care about that. But I did screw up with the creep off because it was Vinny's idea to do the show. And frankly, we should have called it who are these creeps and put it on who are these.com. <laughs> I definitely screwed up with that. That was dumb. You can always can. pivot. True. That's true. I, actually, I think I'm going to do a show. I'll, I'll tease this real quick. Uh, I'm talking to a couple of friends of mine. We want to do who are these politics oh, where oh we God. read, we read um, <laughs> it, political issues of the day and just have the most boring opinions possible about them. Just say oh. nothing. So NPR. Right. Yeah, just, pretty much. That already exists. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it'll be politics for uh, Opie. Oh my God. Okay. You know, you, you had me for about five seconds and then you had to bring up Opie. It'll be great. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. It was fun talking to you both. Thanks Carl. And until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac where we're just doing a podcast, man. And from America's left coast where I can't say enough about how great it is around here. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Thank you.